You're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington. Kevin, we're back, but guess who's not? Tony's gone. Okay. Tony's gone. Kevin, how are you, buddy? Well, I'm good. How are you? Um, I'm doing all right. Now, the, the grand scheme of things, that was always expected. Yeah. You know, we, we had been teasing that for about three weeks, but... That is true, uh, and maybe I will... not in the way that everybody thought he was going to be gone. Let's not say that. in the way that everybody thought he was going to be gone. Not, not in a way that is um, supremely satisfying. Uh, you know, we we'll get into the cap implications and blah 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 all that later. But Tony D'Angelo was bought out. In case you missed the news, and we're going to talk about that right here in just one second. Before we get into that, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're doing good work growing over there, and we appreciate your help. Hit the like button too. Thank you. Okay, Tony D'Angelo, no longer a Philadelphia Flyer. Uh, he becomes the first player ever, according to Cat Friendly, to be wholly bought out by two separate teams. 25 years old. Already been bought out twice. Gonna get another job. Is a quality hockey player. I thought he was older than that. He's 27. I'm sorry. He's 27. Okay. I'm yeah, sorry. As I say, he, he's older than that. But, but still, still, he's going to get a job. He has a long playing career left, assuming he remains well, healthy and out of trouble. Well, and let's be, let's be real. What does this open the door for now that he's been bought out? If everything was, you know, it was trade to Carolina, trade back to Carolina, trade back to Carolina. What does it open the door for? It opens the door for instead of Carolina taking on two and a half mil in salary for the trade. They can sign a one-year, $1 million contract. They're going to sign another one-year rehab contract with Tony D'Angelo. They might, and, and they might. I mean, they might. I don't want to assume anything because there's been a lot of rumors going on with Carolina and defensemen specifically. Well, sure. But, we'll we'll get into all that later. Well, I'm going to touch on it. Yeah, we're we're going to touch on it during this portion because it, right. it's relevant to what happened. Absolutely. Basically. There's a there's monstrous trade around the league that, that does have implications. Involved if, in the if, Tony it, right. if it goes through, which is again, like you're doing this big if thing. And I guess that's I guess that's really where we need to start is what happened to the trade, because for again, we've done two different shows now, I think, because we did the show leading leading into the draft with this, because there was all the stuff with the um, that was when the Kevin Hayes trade was on the table and all of that. So we did that show and then we did the follow up show, which was here's free agency and the draft picks and all that stuff. And it was still the same story, right? Yep. It was still. We hadn't heard anything, honestly. Um, pretty much, we, it was. No, we, it was pretty mum. No, the only thing we had heard was differently. Was that after after everything with the first wave of free agency on the first day of free agency goes through, Danny Briere was kind of mum on whatever was going on. But Don Waddell said, "We have a trade in principle." Yeah. So yeah. we knew all of that. That's what I'm saying. Like. That's why it was so assumed. I mean, I even had I even had some things that I was doing the uh, last weekend when the trade was supposed to be so able to be finalized. You had the article written, didn't you? I had it. I had it in draft so I could publish from my phone. Like that's how prepared everything and, and, was. And we all were. And and the thing was is that okay, fine. If you want to go off of technicalities for a moment. I had it ready for Saturday, which was the eighth, literally the one year anniversary right. of the initial trade. And they probably would have waited until Sunday. Right. If you wanted to go technicality, all right, whatever. I was at something both days. All right. So it's not going to be Saturday. Keep an eye out for Sunday. You and were then, locked and loaded with the article. <laughs> but I also wasn't like, you know, like 
honestly, I wasn't waiting for somebody to come through with some report about it. I was literally just waiting for a team announcement because that's where it was at this point. Sure. Because we all knew it was happening. There wasn't going to be any new leakage. It was just going to be, hey, here's the press release that this thing happened. Pretty much. And it didn't go down on Sunday either. And that probably sent some signals up in terms of like definitely a red flag. Well, it started. That's where it started. What's going on? You know, the waiting period of this deal that we were supposed to be waiting through came and went. So here's Sunday, July 9th. This is when we figured an announcement was coming. It didn't. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, also all come and go with nothing. I mean, as a matter of fact, we're going to get into something in a little bit. That was other pieces of news that were happening during the course of the week before any resolution with the D'Angelo stuff. Right. I mean, there was other things happening that, well, and really that precursored the actual decision that the Flyers ultimately made. But there was other news, and you're kind of sitting there going, okay, like, this is all valid at this time of year, don't get me wrong, but where's this the, the lingering story we're, we're, right. we're looking Where's the for? announcement that kind of puts a bow on this whole thing so we don't have to sit here and talk about it anymore, right? right. And it just it just never really came and then you know in the days since the trade could actually go through the hurricanes have been keeping a close eye on eric carlson and the possibility that they could acquire him and i was just going to say i think what happened was don would they the trade got shut down immediately they said okay we're going to take a two week cooler and think about it and blah 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 no problem and in the meantime some bigger fish became available and Somebody got in Don Waddell's ear and said, "Hey, Eric Carlson's a pretty good player. If, well, sure. If but... we're if we're trading for Tony D'Angelo, why don't we just trade for Eric Carlson because he's kind of like a super powered version of Tony D'Angelo, and and just came off of a Norris winning season, though, right? Last, Hello, so. and is the reigning Norris winner? Hello, <laughs> uh, and it's one of those things that." Why would you trade for low rent the guy you're going for? Like, I, well, we've we've seen in the in the playoffs over and over and over again that superstars change games, superstars make differences. And what was the downfall of the Carolina Hurricanes this year? They couldn't produce enough offense at the end of the day. And sure. what does Eric Carlson help you do? Tony D'Angelo doesn't play defense. Neither does Eric Carlson. If you're gonna get a one way offensive player. Eric Carlson is a much better on-ice product. But you're going to take the guy who doubled D'Angelo's point total, basically. I mean, Carlson had over 100 points this year for a team that finished third from the bottom. Or fourth from the bottom. Sorry, it was fourth from the bottom. Right, and that deal's obviously not done yet. We're not sitting here talking about Eric Carlson as a Carolina Hurricane because... No, but as long as you feel like you have a shot, you're putting everything on hold is exactly Exactly. the point. As long as you have a shot. And, And it wasn't just about Carlson at this point. It was about... If Eric Carlson's on the table as a possible acquisition to make that fully work, because Carlson's contract is massive, enormous. We're and not talking. We're not talking about a difference of hey, guess what? Just because you don't take on the D'Angelo contract means you can you can fit. No, him. no, no, no. We're They're talking. Trying- we're talking about the Sharks retaining forty percent and the cap st- cap hit still being seven million dollars. Like, and we're and we're talking about in order for Carolina to still feel comfortable, rumors that they might move Brett Pesci. Yeah, and I. Work. So you're talking about now you're that talking about that makes me nervous, but but you, now you're talking about 
two other trades that there is possibly on the table before you even get to the D'Angelo stuff, even though it's finalized. And I know there's a like there's a bunch of schools of thought with this because the re- there's there's a bunch of reactions. There's reactions to the fact that well, if the league wouldn't have shut down the trade over a technicality. Especially when they didn't sign him to the initial contract, and the GM I, who did sign the contract is no longer employed. I don't, then I don't want to call it a legitimate gripe because it was against the rules, and we do understand that. But that cost you the deal. Like if it, it if that right. deal goes through two weeks ago, the situation you know, three weeks ago, whatever it is, the whole situation is a little calmer. No, but here's like, uh, but this is but this is why like the question kind of comes out of this. Is this actually better for the Flyers? Does it in the long oh, run yeah. is this actually better? And oh, absolutely. It, it turns out there's enough reasons to say yes versus no. I mean, look, I get it. For the second time this offseason, a trade that was expected to go through didn't go through in the way that was anticipated. In this case, not at all. Um, the last time it was way less than what was anticipated. And we're gonna get into that later as well because we're gonna kind of we're at the point where we can kind of talk about Danny Briere's offseason as a whole pretty close. Hey, and, I mean, there's not much left. For the record, by the way, just because those trades didn't happen like they said he would, that doesn't mean Anthony Sanfilippo had bad information. Things change all the time. Okay. It doesn't mean it doesn't it doesn't mean anything. To be no, honest. I know that's what I'm saying. But it just fact, doesn't mean anything. The fact whatever. that we didn't get Tory Krug in a first round pick doesn't mean that Anthony Sanfilippo had bad information on the day. Um, it, well, well, and gee, I, was he the only one reporting that too? By the way, like he was there. a he lot was... of there, no. There was a lot of people in St. Louis who who had all that lined up too. And first, Anthony Sanfilippo is just how it got to Philly. He didn't come up with it. Uh, anyway, well, uh, he, no, he got he got some maybe some of the same sources. Who knows? But whatever. Maybe. But either okay. way, like the, the let, so is this actually the better option kind of thing? So let's start. Let's kind of go backwards for a second, and we're gonna touch in more detail on this piece of information in a couple minutes. But really, I think this whole process started when the Flyers re-signed Noah Cates. Okay. Now we're going to get into Noah Cates later because this is we're focused on D'Angelo right now. But when this contract happened, I believe that the reasoning behind this is because Cates was not only a restricted free agent but had filed for arbitration, and therefore now the Flyers had no more arbitration cases pending when this contract goes through. It opened up the second buyout window for them. Yes. Which you get only, a forty-eight hour window. Right. Which means you only have so much time until this closes. Right. This was which, your last chance at the at the Apple in terms of buying Tony D'Angelo out. It was it was time to go or get off the pot. Like it's t- exactly. it's time to make a decision. Well, and I, I think the other part of it is you have to think about this kind of from the perspective with D'Angelo and what what where he was with the Flyers. Because if if the deal doesn't get done with Carolina during this buyout window and you continue to wait and wait and wait for Carolina, I think if the deal never got done, they were going to be stuck with him. Absolutely. And Danny Briere was just simply getting ahead of it. Well, right. And the problem with this current situation is this isn't a situation where you can say, hey, man, we tried to trade you. It didn't work out. Come show up to work, play your best, pump your value. We'll get you out of the trade deadline. This guy was a cancer in the locker room. Like we're talking, he like he's not. I'm not going to say he's not welcome around the team, 
But it's not quite as easy as just well, saying, hey, come play for a little while, crank the trade value up, and we'll get you out of here. And I don't even want to go that far with it because, to be honest, I don't know anything that happened that resulted in a problem in That's the fair. room over the course of this one year. But I will, tell you where I, I will tell you where I do think that everything went south and in a hurry because cause I've seen a lot of stuff about, you know, he was a 50-point player and all stuff like that. And, and listen, I understand that. There's two big caveats with that. Number one is – this team was not very good this year. And you can say no, the same no, thing no, about Eric Carlson on the show. Hold on, hold on. And scored. So he scored a lot of either scored goals or had assists that came in garbage time. If you're paying close attention. Yeah. And we could look we could look at Eric Carlson and say find the same thing potentially. But Eric Carlson also doubled the point total. Right? Well, right. And that's like, that's the difference. Like, it probably means a lot less garbage time point, maybe a lot more, to be honest. Or if it's the same, then it's worse, right? right. Like if it's the same amount of garbage. But I'm not trying to go over that because here's where I really think things went south. And it's not in the point total, and it's not in – he does, like D'Angelo didn't have a second – and I'm generalizing the term second half here, but a second half like Kevin Hayes did where – you went from 45 points in 50 games, nearly point per game, to 9 and 31. You know, and, and it was clearly evident that the investment level wasn't as high, right? <laughs> like, I don't think that that was ever necessarily the case with D'Angelo. I don't think that he was never going to go out there and play the way that he played. But let's be, let's be real about something. Number one, what was he brought in to do initially? Create was, offense. Well, create offense and supposedly be a good, like, he's a power play specialist. And you had the worst power play in the league this year, and it wasn't even close. And and that was a step backwards. Like you weren't the worst ranked power play a year ago, and now you are. So he didn't exactly help that. And then I really trace a lot of things I, the way I and this is me just kind of thinking out loud about it. But I was thinking about it, and I, my thought was, I think things changed on March seventh. And the reason why I'm picking that date is because you are. A handful of days after the trade deadline, everybody on the planet at this given point in time, or everybody in the Philly area at least, is absolutely eviscerating Chuck Fletcher for the way that the day the deadline went. And Chuck Fletcher is going to get fired in three days, by the way, yep. from, from March 7th. But something else happened on March 7th because the Flyers had a game that night. And they played, and they, they, were, playing at, they were playing a team that was clearly way better than they were, I'll say that. Because if I tell you what team it is off the bat, you're going to know. So... Okay. But they were playing a team that was clearly better than them, but they were having your typical late season John Tortorella coached team game, which is they're not out of the game results wise in the in the later stages of the third period. They're not out of the game. They're probably not going to win it, but they're not out of it. And they're pushing. Like they're really trying hard. Yeah. You know, giving the effort that Tortorella wanted to see. And that really just sums up the season, doesn't it? Really trying hard. Right, but you get the point. Now, if I tell you what team they're playing, maybe this will strike, you know, the memory of where I'm going with this. They were playing the Tampa Bay Lightning. Okay. Yeah, I, I had a feeling you were talking about this game. I know the game you're talking about. Okay. So, very late in the game, trying to make a push, by the way, D'Angelo speared Corey Perry in the, you know, you know what region. In the groin. The, in the groin, I guess. Yeah, that's the, is that, that, that's the radio-friendly way to that's say it, I suppose. That's the term we use, yeah. Yes, that's right. And that set off five members of the Tampa Bay Lightning to go absolutely berserk as 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 they should for some something like that. Because he, he got Cross. him, he got him in the athletic supporter. How about that? <laughs> sure. <laughs> and well, and so naturally, that's crossing the line on D'Angelo's. Of part. course, and we all called it at the moment. It's a one goal game, Tony. What are you doing? 
I'm trying to remember if it was even a one goal game. I think it was two because they lost five okay. to two. But either way, you're pushing. There's still like three minutes left, maybe three and a half minutes left in a game. He's going to get a major penalty out of this, which, you know, they eventually scored on with like a minute left or something. I don't know, but whatever. I'm not the details of that part aren't important. Sure. It was because the bottom line was I think that after that game, that was one of the first time because all year long, John Tortorella was kind of on D'Angelo's side, to be honest. I don't think there was really any bad blood even there. I mean, it's not that they didn't see necessarily see eye to eye all year, but there was an understanding of in Tortorella's eyes what D'Angelo can bring if he knows how to toe the line. Right. And it, it was 4-2, by the way, but the Flyers had been pushing and put, putting some good pressure on. And regardless, it's like, yes. but you get the point. It was Well, right. Tortorella was very defensive of what D'Angelo could still bring in terms of in terms of an edgy player. I mean, let's put it this way. D'Angelo and Travis Konechny, to an extent, are not that different in terms of the way that they're willing to be, oh, voc- he's, yeah, to be he's, vocal. He's defensive Travis Konechny in but, a lot and, of you know, ways. And, and in the way that they're willing to be that player that knows how to try to get under people's skin. Sure, That's and, obvious. And if you make now, the playoffs, those kinds of players can be extremely valuable. Now, I've, you know, I've never felt like I've seen Konechny be at a level where he doesn't know when to stop. Like, I've seen, like, I was watching throughout the course of the year, and D'Angelo would have moments where you're like, somebody better stop him or he's going to do something that's stupid. Well, right. And, well, and he has a history of doing that, it, you know, a la spearing Corey Perry. Um, and, no, I agree that Travis Konechny has, uh, there were a couple times in his first or second season where he got a little hot-headed, but, no, he has... He, he, found, he really knows it now. Yeah. He has found the line and knows how to get right up to it. Well, and, and let's 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 be real about something. There's also crossing the line from where it's just chirping somebody oh, and trying to stir it up to absolutely. the physicality of it, right? Like D'Angelo starts to get into it physically and then doesn't seem like he knows when to stop. And you're you and you've got a linesman who's using every ounce of his energy to hold him back. He and turns- that's when you're sitting here saying, stop. So the difference is he turns into a little bit of a runaway steam train and goes off the rails. Travis Konechny knows how to keep it attached, keep it all together, stay under control. Well, and Konechny's not throwing it, like trying to throw hands or anything like that from over top of the linesman. He's still going to chirp you to death. Oh, yeah, and he'll get scrappy with you if you're in his face and you guys are pushing back and forth. If anything else, what Konechny does is he, he strategically is trying to get you to do it. Absolutely. He you know is I mean? a big make you throw the first shot guy. He's trying uh, absolutely. to anyway. And and rigor and I'm not saying that sometimes D'Angelo's not, but what once you once he lets loose, he, you you can see it. I mean you can just flat out see it. He had a couple of instances if where gonna, he didn't cross the line, but he came close. If you're gonna engage in that game, you have to be able to laugh it off. You have to be impervious to it yourself. And Travis Connectney is, and you see around the league that the best guys are. Nothing bothers Brad Marchand. Nothing bothers Tom Wilson, although he can knock your head off. Like, nothing bothers these guys who that's their reputation. When it bothers you, when you fire back, yeah, that's when you get yourself in trouble. That's when you, you know, Evgeny Malkin, like... Well, and look, and stuff like this, some of this stuff is irrelevant. You know, it's irrelevant to what ends up happening here and all stuff like that. The bottom line was, is after that game, because let's put this way, after that game... D'Angelo says he, you know, says he didn't think he did anything because, you know, which uh, he never does. Well, but it's that's also a natural reaction for anybody. Like if you don't like if if you don't feel like in your mind you did anything wrong, you're going to defend yourself. I get it. And in his mind, he has never done anything wrong. And Tortorella kind of after that game. I mean, 
in fairness, he didn't. And I don't. I, I'm, I, I believe this, by the way, because Tortorella is not standing there looking for the super slow mo replay that everybody else got in the immediate. Right. So sure, I'm. If 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 he didn't see it directly, you know, I understand well, that. And you but don't he, expect a coach but, to come out and rip your guy. You're gonna have no, you're gonna have you know, your players' backs. No, but no, but it, not. it sounded like at the very least that there was a, a reason to understand that somebody had had understood what had happened. Maybe one of the other players on the ice at that moment. Because let's remember something: D'Angelo kind of got bowled over after that, like right. a wave of five. Members of the Tampa Bay Lightning, Perry included, by jumped. the way. Yeah, we're we're after you, and most of like most of the rest of the team didn't exactly jump in. Like, well, we're going to turn this into a full out brawl. It's w- like, well, and talking about players who get under your skin, and nobody does it better than Corey Perry. Well, yeah, Perry and Perry's known for that. Yes, I get right. that. So, but either way, so Tortorella but, didn't but exactly have thing. a full one. It, if you're, I'm sorry. That's the yeah. thing, though. If you're going to be D'Angelo and you're going to engage in that game, you can't do it with Corey Perry because he's better at it than you. And either way, even then, that's even that's kind of irrelevant to the point. Right. Also, right. but but Tortorella didn't really have a defense this time. Tortorella kind of just, you know, we like him to play that way as long, like kind of, we like him to play that way as long as he doesn't cross the line. Yes, and. It well, and like, he got jumped by five Tampa Bay Lightning, and there were no flyers there. That's what I, that's what right. I was getting there, at. There was okay. no defense. There was no teammate standing up, going, "Hey, but, get off our guy." I was like, "Well." But from okay, okay, so but but from this point in the season, there are eighteen games left. At that point, he gets suspended for the next two, yeah. so that takes care of two of them. Then he plays the next eleven, and then sits out the last five as a yep. healthy scratch. No, that what? that night was his last night as a flyer. I, I know he played out those eleven games, but that that was the end of it for him. Well, and and just just to kind of keep not keep going with this, but like think about this for a minute. Like I I think I don't know if that was necessarily his last night as a flyer. I think I think it was. I think it really was ultimately when the healthy scratch thing came down in the last five, and they had every reason to potentially change it at any given point to like like you could have sat somebody else. Oh, he could have played any of those games. Right. Like you could have sat somebody else if you were really trying to get a look at one younger player. Yep. They made their decision. And and then it's only further like seriously, like uh, this goes back to Provrov and Hayes to an extent, too, because they're the other two guys that have essentially left. Like if you look at the subtractions, the legitimate subtractions. Three of which had something to say at the end of the year, like that, that they have been moved without it being the last year of their contract. Like. Two people that are gone, their contract was up and they just didn't stay because the writing was on the wall in that respect. But it was just your contract's up. Not that we hate you. Like, right. Like, there's no hard feelings with James and Reams. Like, it's just no. your contract's up. You're in your 30s. I you assume be- – and I assume you want to go win hockey games somewhere. And, I, and, and, and we're not going to pay you. Right. Uh, even though – I mean, what did he sign for? One year, $1 million in Boston? Exactly. So, I mean – I don't know. I would okay. I think that's a JVR decision because if you're the Flyers, I think you offer him that and say, "Hey, do you want to come be mm. a good be a good mentor, be a good role model, be a good locker room guy?" See, I don't I, I don't see it that way. And the reason I don't is because the only reason I don't is because I don't think even if even if it is one year and it's kind of a throwaway year like we've already seen it to be, it's not something that I see them like it wasn't. That's not the guy I see them saying, will we really want to hold on to somebody who can guide 
That's like, fair. That's what I she, just that's, listen. I just want to. I just want a local kid so bad, and Tony screwed it up so bad that JVR is our next best hope. <laughs> I guess. I mean, it is what it is. Um, Johnny's in Columbus, like you know. <laughs> well, you had your shot at that. I mean, like, I, like, man, it, like it cracks me up because, like. It, you're not going to sit there and tell me that last last off season they weren't positioning themselves to do something big, and the biggest thing they did was Tony D'Angelo, who a year later was bought out. Hey, something else I want to mention about last. Other, you know, something else I want to mention. Proof? Yeah, something else I want to mention about the last off season of Chuck Fletcher. Okay, two years from now, Claude Drew signs a one year contract as a Philadelphia Flyer. I don't the, know. What was the big story when he got traded? I, I, it, he made it clear that he was informed that he would not be welcome back. That's a Chuck Fletcher decision. I don't think that's a Danny Briere decision. I could see him coming back for one more year. Knowing how it ended, if he has a good couple years in Ottawa, he's got, I think he's got two years left on that deal. If he wants to play one more, come on, Danny. Come on, Danny. I'd say we'll see. I don't know. Um, okay. <laughs> I, I, I'm not trying to think that far ahead of me. I know. Per, let's, you're, you're talking let's, two years left on that contract anyway, so like, let's not even go there. But you're but right. Let's 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 go to the uh, the benefits of this because uh, okay, okay. So now I'm telling you where I think things changed for D'Angelo. Where okay. Okay. So bottom line is, I think that like the decision's already been made, right? Like it's every player that has been moved on, basically moved on from at this point in the off season has been done so with, I think, the writing on the wall enough. Right. I, I'm not going to say that the writing was a 1,000% on the wall for Provorov. I think it was just the right deal comes along, and they weren't hesitant. That's I what I think that means. Yeah. Um, but for Hayes, it was always there. And for D'Angelo, I think it was always there. Because yeah. Hayes, had, what did we say? Hayes had said at Eggs in interviews last, last show, when the trade, once we had to talk about a finalized trade. That he goes, we'll probably, fi- you know, I think their decision's already been made. I'll probably find out around the draft. Yep. And in D'Angelo's case, I don't think, it, like, D'Angelo had, all, had said all along, I want to still play here. Sure. But I, but I also think that when you also come out with, I think it was totally ridiculous that I didn't play the last five, which, which right or wrong, you know, like, it didn't have to be him for the final five. I get that. Right or wrong, it tells you that there's a relationship issue. You can only get away with saying that if the coach is getting fired. And like, if the coach is still going to be there, that's that's a sign that that you relationship that is answer. deeply broken. No, right. And you know that answer. So well, right? No, no I, right? Exactly. John Tortorella wasn't going to be going anywhere. Right now, 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 in fairness, and I'm not trying to defend D'Angelo or Kevin Hayes in this case, but because both kind of qualify, you do want to be. And I said this, I said this when Danny Briere was hired, and when all the or officially hired, and when all of the other stuff, like with the press conference, was going down with the new era and all that stuff. You do want to be careful about the influence the coach has on roster construction going forward, going forward. These two moves in particular, Hayes and D'Angelo feel like I can't work with them. Yeah. And it also feels like a little bit of locker room surgery. I think, you know, it probably is, but how much of the locker room surgery is done based on what the coach feels like in terms of, I can't get through to him. So what the hell happens to the rest of the guys? You know what I I mean? I don't mind the coach deciding who's not there. I don't want the coach necessarily deciding who is there. Like, I, it, I'm i okay with him going in and weeding out the bad apples. Um, I just don't necessarily want him planting the new tree. 
and if I that understand makes that. Sense. Yes, no, it makes sense. But but what you're what I'm saying is is that early on you're seeing how big the influence is, and it's not something that's common for the coach no, to be that's... a heavy influence on well, on I... on where things go in terms of like like it's what make like. I, I think the point of the matter is, and we're going to get into this because it's a topic that I think is fair at this point of, of how Briere's offseason is gone. A lot of it kind of was expected because you're looking at two players gone that everybody's going, well, of course they're gone. Right. You know, like it felt like that was going to be the case. We, we, we felt we felt that from the last game of the season in April, let yep. alone, you know. Everything that's so, happened since then, yeah. Right. So I understand it. It's just a matter of you. Know, it's just a matter of speaking. You know what I mean? Absolutely. That was you know? that was expected. We expected so, those players to be gone. So now let's go to the benefits of this because why? You know, what what was the better option, or is there a better option? You know, because you mean than buying than buying them out? You mean? Well, right. Because like, okay. here's here's the uh, not the obvious, but here's an easy not an easy answer for it. But like, think about it for a minute. You're going from. Kevin Hayes trade where it was reportedly going to be bigger than what it turned out to be and you get nothing more than a sixth round pickback which is still getting something but it's not the something that you expected yeah right? when you're retaining for multiple years and it's right and right. half and yes all of right. it and in this case for three weeks you're being told there's a deal in place and you're gonna get something in and return for we had a name no. We we even had a name for the prospect they were getting back. He wasn't much, but we still had, there was a name. We knew who it was going to be. Yeah, the, the, uh, I, I guess it's if it if we want to mention it, sure. Yeah, Massimo Rizzo was the name. Massimo Rizzo, yeah. Which he would have fit right in in South Philly. Come on. Which, no, but in fairness, exactly what we said it was going to be. Right, a, a seventh round pick. So a long late, shot lottery no, ticket prospect. A long shot, hold on, long shot lottery ticket. And I told you last week. The belief was he was a guy who wasn't signed yet, so they were getting yep. it was a rights deal, and that's exactly what this would have been. This is a guy who's fresh out of college. Yep. Like, you know, and 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 it's, maybe, it's a nothing trade. It's the nothingest of nothing trades in terms of what you're getting back. Well, and in fairness, there was even a connection that made sense because it was a teammate of Bobby Brinks at Denver. Right. So it was like, all right, that's maybe a some little homework. bit of right. Maybe it, he'll play with him on the Phantoms. Done, like, yeah, you see where it goes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right. So what does the benefit of, or what, what are the pros and cons of the buyout of D'Angelo? The, the buyout of D'Angelo's contract has one specific negative compared to a trade, which is it lasts more than one season. It extends so, your cap hit over right. two seasons. The Flyers are going to have cap money that's going to D'Angelo for this season and next season now, as opposed to just trying to wipe away the contract this year via trade. However, the cap hit is lower. This season, it's just a $1.67 million cap hit, as opposed to the 2.5 you were going to retain. Now, it will also be $1.67 million next year, which is $1.67 more than you were going to spend. Right. So it's not – so long – big picture, long run, it's not cheaper right. than two than $2.5 for one year. But That's it is fair. a lower but cap it, hit this year. And it is cheaper than five for one year. Oh, for sure. If you just hold and. It. And really the biggest pro out of this decision is what is the last point that I have, which is it does it does prevent the Flyers from having to use a retention spot on D'Angelo, which Absolutely. could be valuable later. They were and, going to only have one retention spot left if this trade goes through because they're already using one on Hayes and they were going to use a second on D'Angelo if it goes if the trade had gone through. Now you go through with the rest of the season at the rest of this current offseason and into next season and, a, and obviously pushing to the deadline. With two retention spots, which yep. 
and I've I've been saying since the since the since this trade went down that Sean Walker's a prime candidate for this at two point six five million with a year left. That when you get to the deadline, why wouldn't you eat half of that and say, "Hey, team that's in the playoff picture that wants a contract for a defenseman for one point three million dollars, we got you covered." Sure. You know why wouldn't you do that? And, and for the record, know. on on the contract on the cap hit on D'Angelo, I mean, we were talking about that. Um, we we don't necessarily expect the Flyers to spend to the cap, so I don't think the cap hit is particularly relevant. Uh, what is worth mentioning, though, is how much cap space they do have available. Just because uh, we've seen a recent rise, uh, a rise in recent years of teams being a third team in a transaction and picking up an asset. Um, we saw Minis- the Minnesota Wild do it in, I believe it was the Ryan O'Reilly trade to Toronto. Uh, we, we see it all the time where teams will act as kind of that banker third team and pick up a third round pick to well, retain $2 million for a year or whatever it is. Well, and I'll, the the Flyers are a team that can very easily be doing that through the course of their rebuild. Well, sure. Sure. Correct. And L.A. this offseason? Yep. I mean, helped you get Ivan Provorov to, to Columbus. Exactly. With, you know, way less money for Columbus to be paying. So there you go. Like, And that's the kind of and thing. That, and that's exactly the fair yep. point as well. Exactly. Like, it's not just about your own guys and who can you trade and retain on. It's who can also, you, and who can you get with that cap space? Right. It's also when the deadline rolls around, if somebody's really looking for something for a one-year rental player who is maybe top of the charts, the guy you go after. And do you know? Do you call, or or do you either take calls, or do you start making calls if you know know some stuff, and say we can be the buffer here for and that make, one year, and make this deal work for everybody in terms right. of cap. Like, like, guess what? You're gonna give us this guy, or not, not you're gonna give guy. us a second round pick, right? You're gonna give us a pick for doing this for you, doing you a favor, you know. Right, and I don't necessarily think the Flyers will be in on a third team as a third team for like an Eric Carlson because it is retention for so long. But if you right. see any no, no, deals, one year. right? If you see any deals where got one year, maybe even two, you know, if you're willing to pay for it. Um, but yeah, at, at that point, you're looking at probably a first round pick if you're retaining any sort of salary for two years, uh, just because it takes up one of those retention spots we keep talking about. Exactly. But, uh, okay, so is there anything else we want to address here on D'Angelo? We've kind of... Nope. Nope. Okay, We're I was on... say, I feel like we've kind of touched everything. Um, he is out of town. He will... Yeah, oh, as far as we uh, know, the, the buyout basically, I, I don't think there's really ever formal announcements of these things. Like, they already expressed their intentions were for a buyout. Right. So now that he's cleared waivers, it's yep. And he did done. clear waivers as of Saturday. I right. assume there's some paperwork to be done, but he is bought out. Right. Uh, Cap Friendly has it done. Like, has right. it, he is, it's on the buyout books. So right. there you then, go. Then he is free to sign with another team. And I imagine that will probably wait until the Eric Carlson deal is done. Um, he, um, just because it has implications all over. Well, well, we'll see, to be honest, because here's another thing about it. I, at this at this point in time, look, D'Angelo gets his money one way or the other to an extent, right? 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 Like you get you're getting you're getting money. So at this point, would he even just take a vet minimum contract, you know, to play not, for not, Carolina? Not if somebody's willing to offer him more. But I get what you're saying. Well, well and I I, think, I don't know how many teams are. Is the point? Well, I think there's a real chance that kind of the two big teams in on Eric Carlson right now are Carolina and Pittsburgh, and I think whoever doesn't get Carlson might get D'Angelo. It's possible. Um, 
see, I can see Carolina now even jumping back into this thing. And 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 listen, on the but surface, then, but then here's the thing: if you trade for Carlson, then your right side is Burns, Carlson, D'Angelo. I hear you. Not a lot of defense on that right side, and you're trading away Brett Pesci to make that happen. Ah, that 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 bottom six, that six makes me nervous. That's a lot of offense in and a lot of defense out. Maybe I don't know. Like, you know, I it's it's tough. It's tough to decide how this is going to go because he's got a reputation. He's been bought out twice. You know, you know how many teams are going to sit there and say, "Well, let's this way." That's fair. Obviously, the two teams that bought, have bought him out previously are probably going to say, "No, we don't want you." You know, and I, like obviously, he's not going to be a flyer next year if they bought him out. But like, well, and and we keep talking. We've talked about this player before, and we've talked about the fact that he's on his fourth or fifth chance if you go back far enough. Well, it's this will be his fourth team or fifth team if he's if it's new. Fifth team, fifth, but, fifth team if it's new. But. but also, this one isn't ending in scandal. I mean, it, like, yes, he got he didn't get along with his coach, but it, this isn't him fighting a teammate. This isn't him using racial slurs. This isn't like these things that he has been released for before and come back from. Right. This is just I didn't get along with my coach. I well, guarantee, I guarantee it, you, there's a dozen teams around the league going, oh, we can fix that. We well, don't have and, we don't have John Tortorella. We'll be fine. Well, and that's why Carolina would possibly be interested because at the very least. You, I'm not saying you stick him next to Jacob Slavin again now that you have other players in that on that roster now, but you do know how he worked with Rod Brindamore. Toronto. Oh, boy. They're always, I mean, look, they're always looking for some juice from their back end. They're looking for some snarl in the playoffs. They're looking we'll for see. some scoring help. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I don't... Or he'll sign in Boston, because why not? <laughs> tell me he's Maybe not. A, tell know. me he's not a him and Milan Lucic on the ice at the same time. My goodness. Yeah, that'll um, go over. Yeah, uh, then I can't wait to find out what Brad Marchand thinks. Did you see the pictures of Milan Lucic walking through the streets of Boston? Did you see I, that the video? video? Yes, I he did see looking it. Looking like Gru from Despicable Me. <laughs> the shoulders are just man. Man, there. Are, it th- was listen, Milan. Please don't kill me. But <laughs> that is an enormous man. That I is an think- enormous man. I'm pretty sure that, it, 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 but saying it that way, I think that he would take that as a compliment. I there were other there were other things I saw that were said about that video that he's not gonna. I don't think he's gonna get <laughs> by you saying he's an enormous man. I mean, I did say he looked like Gru from Despicable Me. So that's not the worst um, thing I saw. <laughs> that's fair. All you right. Know what I mean, like, God, it, he's gonna be he's gonna be a Bruin, and it's gonna be infuriating. But uh, let's talk about some guys who are gonna be flyers for a little bit. Sure, let's go to the re-signings. Uh, we got some re-signings. We got Noah Cates, we got Cam York, and we got... Uh, I'm going to pronounce this Ola wrong. Is Lixel. it Lixel? Ola Lixel. Ola Lixel, yeah. Okay. Ollie Lixel. Ollie um, Lixel. Everybody <laughs> says, hey, Ollie. for what it's worth, everybody says Ollie. I, the European back, Ola, yeah. Well, I remember back at, like back at the beginning of camp when he was starting to turn heads a little bit, and we all we all pronounced it like Oli Jokinen, so we said Oli Lixel. You know, it's it's yeah. Ola, yes, but nonetheless. Okay, so no, regardless, Noah Cates, two years, um, two point six two five per year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he is currently twenty four years old. He will still be an RFA when that deal is done. Correct. I think that's a nice little deal. Again, we're talking about bridge deals here. We're not doing anything okay. earth shattering. We're not doing anything franchise altering. They could still trade him tomorrow if they wanted to. I don't think they want to, but. I 
this doesn't mean anything in the in the grand scheme of things. He's here for two years at a reasonable number. Right. He is a he is a piece through the rebuild. They're going to evaluate and see what they've got. And that's kind of the case with all these guys. Right. So you might as well just read them all off right off the top then. So yeah. Noah Gates was the two years at 2.625 mil. Cam York was two years at 1.6 mil. And then Lixel got the typical two-way deal. Um, two-year two, by the way, two-year two-way. Right. Um, so it, it's going to, that's going to hang on for a couple years like that. And that's nothing more than seven hundred eighty-seven thousand five hundred dollars. So it's so all much of these more guys, all these guys signed two-year deals. So right. we talked, we talked a lot in our last show, kind of about that three-year window, and this starts setting you up for that, right? This is where you see Danny Briere starting to set up for that. Yeah. Now I saw a lot of stuff. There was a lot of comments about why not go longer term with Kate's. I guess. Um, well, it's so he's still an RFA afterward. I assume. It's also that, like, uh, let's put it this way, because I have all this filed. I didn't write any notes about each individual deal as much. I just wrote more of a kind of why the bridge deal thing, because bridge deals were very, obviously, these are all bridge deals at this point. Everybody got a two-year deal. Sure. You know. And uh, bridge deals are uh, a fad. They go in and out. Well, and at this point, think about something for a minute. Has Danny Breer signed a contract longer than two years this offseason? I don't believe so. Nope. You know what I mean? So... And and as we and we're gonna get into free agency around the rest of the league because we didn't really talk about that much on the last show. We did mostly just the Flyers angle of that. Um, not a lot of players were getting long term deals. In fact, and I'll I'll save this kind of more for um, when we get into all of the free agents and some of the big ones because we'll talk on we'll talk on a handful that I guess stood out to us. We're not gonna go through every signing. Okay, ob- right. obviously. Um, but I wrote an article about the bridge deals that the Flyers were making with with Kate's and York specifically. And actually, as of the like, as of publishing that article, and it changed later that afternoon, of course, but as of publishing the article, had the number of contracts that were signed to that point from July 1st on, and how many of them were more than two years, and how many of them were more than whatever number of amount of money. And the numbers were staggering. Like, you're talking about contract numbers in the hundreds, and you're talking about maybe 20 that go to a certain level. You know what we, I mean? Like, it we, was. We see a lot of hockey players betting on themselves yep, and betting on the cap to take some big, fat jumps over the next couple of years. Well, and one of the things I wanted to say about this is like because the cap is expected to rise significantly over the next two off seasons. Correct. And not only are we. Well, and yes, exactly what you just said. That means players are taking chances on their perform on their performance, their health and all this stuff to get a bigger payday. That is true. There is also another angle of that, which is that I don't like I believe that the Flyers had full interest in going long term with Noah Cates. Okay. I think that they wanted to and I kind of speculated more along the lines of let's say Joel Farabee's deal. A five year, five million dollar a year extension, which is nothing, you know, it's not too it, that that's probably in the long run, not too much, not too little. No, it, I, it's probably, it's probably about just right. right. And it, it might even be a little light if he turns into a 25 or 30 goal scorer, which he's got the potential to. Well, sure. I mean, well, he, had, he, he had 13 this year. So you're basically asking if in the next five years, can he double his sco- his goal scoring production? And can he get from, you know, what was he at this year? I think 38 points. Can he turn into 70? Right. You know, because at that point, you're underpaying him at five million dollars. Well, exactly. Especially for what he get, for, for the potential of what he can do defensively. Now. Cates had elected for arbitration, and he was the only player who did. Ultimately, it wasn't needed, 
but I think that's where the difference was because I think that, I think that the difference in terms of what makes you go to go to arbitration on this potential contract is the Flyers were all probably offering long term and underpaid in the long yes. term versus I can take the I can take the low pay. But let's and, and I don't think this is Kate's give, by give me a chance to get a raise in a couple of years. But, but I don't think this is Kate's by himself. They've got agents. Of course. Right? Like, of course. I, I'm willing and, to bet Noah Kate's didn't like didn't have a ton to do with this process. Of course. He well, had and, input, and, and I and I think that the, I think that Kate's agent is telling like is like like with anybody else is telling, you know, any player in two years. Look at where the cap is supposed to go and what well, we could do then. Right. And the, the quick little brief explainer for people who aren't keeping up on why the cap is going up. So basically the, the cap's been flat since COVID because of all the missed revenue, because of all this and that. And because the owners lost so much revenue that the players owed the money. It's a whole escrow situation that we're not going to dive into all the details on. But they've been paying them back over the last several years. And it's expected that the last payment will be made this fall. And the players will be completely caught up and they will not owe the owners any more escrow. And then when all of that is taken into consideration, when they do the hockey-related revenue calculation, all this TV money deal from ESPN and TNT will finally Correct. roll in and affect the hockey-related revenue, um, disregarding that escrow situation because that is now resolved. All that money will roll in as hockey-related revenue, and the cap should be expected to bump pretty significantly. Uh, maybe right. as maybe as high. Uh, we've heard estimates in the, in the range of four to four and a half million dollars next year, which right. after it's, several years of flat or one million dollar raises is a monstrous increase. Let's put let's put it this way, because Cat Friendly does like when you look at a team's page on Cat Friendly, they do a full summary. Right? right. And they tell you where the roster stands, all that type of stuff. The caps, the salary cap this season went up one million dollars and it's eighty three and a half million dollars. Next offseason, they have as a projection for the salary cap, the upper limit of it, $87.5 million. That's a $4 million increase. That is and then the 5%. Next, like, that's an, in, a significant bump. Just in and of itself. And then yep. the, year, the year after that, they have it going to $92 million, which oh. is another $4.5 million. So you're okay. talking about $8.5 million potentially becoming available to teams in two years' time. Well, and that's the off-season we're talking about these contracts ending. Right. So if we're heading into that off-season, going into a season with a $92 million cap, right? almost $10 million above where it is today, we're looking at some big contracts. And I think it's... It, at that point, it's only going up. Like, it's not slowing down at that point for a couple of years. As long as, you know, at that point, we'll see how the TV deals are doing. Sure. But the, Danny Briere, like you said, is keeping everything nice and short. Well. Nothing, nothing long. Nothing and, stupid. Get yourself in a situation to take advantage of all that cap space. Well, and in fairness, I also think that this is another area where I think the arbitration case would have come in is – I think that if they were going to go short term like they ultimately did, they didn't want to go into I think Kate's would have preferred, like or Kate's and his agent, let's just say, would have probably preferred the three year deal and said, Let's go three and then he's a UFA. Yes. Exactly. Now he, and now he hits the why, open market. 
And that's why you bring Cates to two years because then right. you still get a negotiation with him where you're you're it's relatively exclusive. in control. Right. right. You still hold the rights. He's an RFA. You right. can qual you can qualify him first. I was going to say he can run that trick where he accepts his qualifying offer, plays the one year, and walks himself to free agency. But we'll see what kind of player Noah Cates is at that point. And you well, have also, two full also, years to negotiate with him. It also, in fairness, like. Usually with RFAs, qualifying offers are formalities, and they know that. And if if the camp is going to sit – like if, if Briere is on the side of the Flyers and Cates' camp is on the other side of this, and he has two really good years and the negotiations start at a really good point. Like, honest to goodness, if he has a good – if he does enough to elevate his status over the next two years – and I'm not even kidding when I say this. If you're, if you're opening up the cap for another near $9 million – and there's other players, by the way, in two more years who will be gone also. Exactly. So if this is one of your potential foundational pieces, so to speak, and I say that, you know, I'm not saying that, like, he's the guy who projects to be he's foundational. One of, he's one of the first he's, players coming out of your core or out of your rebuild. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, don't, I'm not, I don't feel strange about saying this at all. Don't be surprised if his next contract is in the same vein as what Sean Couturier is making right now. Yep. Seriously. Like, man, don't be surprised if it's a long term and near eight million dollar deal. And you know what's going to really complement that nicely? Matt Vaymichkov's three year ELC. Well, sure. You're you're setting yourself up for that potentially. I mean, I don't I, that's two years down the line. Now, even so, you're, you're building for the long term. You're making that right when, right, when Matt Vaymichkov gets here. Right. Right. <laughs> Well, it's it's everything, isn't it? It's Mishkov, it's Gautier, it's whatever else you get from here on. Whoever out. you it's... draft next year, like, yes. And I know there's been a long running joke among Flyers fans about we're two years away from being two years away. I, I get it. I know. I've been through all the same pain you have. I promise. This is different. This is sure. a real reset. That. If Danny Briere wants to, he can completely flip over the entire roster in the next two years, essentially. There's not really a whole lot of unmovable deals there if you really want to. I mean, you're pretty – the conversation is going to continue. We think the offseason is mostly done. Sure. The conversation is going to continue. And, and, and for what it's worth, like – because I do want to point out, like, with – with with the rest of these contracts first yeah, before we yeah. before we move on because there's not a lot left to to do with these either. Uh, no, I do. Most of what I said for Kate's also applies for York. Well, and I wanted to go into something with with both because of the fact that I want to make sure and I want to make sure I'm looking at their numbers really quick because that that does kind of play in a little bit. Like like we just said, Kate's had 13 goals, 38 points. This was his first full season. If you if you're assuming that things go up, like like what's a legitimate? And I'm not trying to say he's going to get there, but what's a legitimate goal for next year already? Can he for score Cates? seven? Yeah, can he score seven more goals 20. and twelve more points? Can he get twenty and fifty on a team that you expect to be bad? You expect him to play more and more top sure. six minutes. Yep. So I think I think twenty and fifty is a supremely reasonable goal for Noah Cates this year. Well, and by the way, let's not forget also he got he got signed out of college the year before and played yeah. immediately. And in nine games, not nine games, in 16 games, I'm sorry, he had five goals and nine points yeah. right away. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities that he's already near that half a point per game status. And if you're looking for a jump, and um, you know. And yeah, you expect to see a little bit of a jump. I mean, he might not make a huge jump. He might top out as kind of a 
high-end second-line player. Like, if, if he turns into, in terms of offensive production, if he turns into Travis Konechny, are you upset about that? Um, production wise, no, absolutely not. Cause connect has 30 goals. He, you know, roughly could get, could be 30 goals a year. That's, that's fair. Like, honestly, I'm happy with him being, I'm I mean, just talking I, about his top end, right? He's not a 40 goal scorer. He's not a 50 goal scorer. No, nah, but then get, then give me like, give me kind of what Sean Couturier gives you to an extent because Couturier is always in that 20 to 30 range. It's not always in the thirties. He could get there. I don't, and I'm not saying that I think that means that Cates is going to get there, but if that's what he can turn into, are you going to have a problem with that? I mean, there's a chance that in a couple of years, he's not even your best center. That's fair. I mean, like, I, I seriously, think ideally you don't want him to be. Um, I could see him as a guy who ends up on the wing too long-term. I, I like him. He's good in the center, but I, I could see him. Well, and here's, the, the and here's the thing with if Cates, he's playing in the top six. And here's the thing with Cates. If you go look at it, like his ice time last year was like something in the range of 17 minutes. I want to say right per game. That's going to have to take a step up. Obviously, if he's going to make, Make a, make big well, bigger money in a long term contract. He's, gonna have he's to making real player money now. He's not making prospect with a shot money. Well, and I and sure, and that's well, and, and there's balance. There's balance to that. I mean, you don't sure. want him playing twenty minutes a night if you're not going for the win per se, right? Like, like if eh. it gets well, no, I'm saying if a game I'm gets fine out with of him hand, playing twenty minutes most nights just to get the reps. You know what I mean, though. I, I like I'm saying if a game gets out of hand, then you balance it out, and it's next thing you know, you're just resting guys a little extra. Well. And it's, don't when push a, the envelope. When a game gets out of hand, that's what Garnet Hathaway is here for. That's what. Well, yeah, know. I know. But you know what? That's what I'm saying. You're going to see the guys who don't play like that play more when the game is a little bit more out of hand. That's um, the other thing that has to, like, again, would you, you'd like to see a boost to the offensive numbers for the long term deal. And maybe this goes to your point because it could influence it down the line. But he's he's been a center the whole time. His faceoff percentage is a little low right now. Get it up, you know. Get it higher. Get it. Well, can you get it? Can you get it to the fifty percent threshold that makes you more successful in faceoffs than not? I would also and then, be interested. And then we'll talk. I would also be interested to see him play alongside, and not literally alongside on the ice, but play on the same roster at the same time as Sean Couturier. See oh sure. Well, that, well we can, can find that and, on him a little yeah, bit, and, right. and we could find that out as soon as this season. So that's sure. Really well, and I think because I think Sean Couturier at this point is your leader. I, I'm looking at this team, and I, whether he wears the C or not, especially, I, I think he's probably going to be your leader on the ice. I, I don't know about his role in the locker room, of course. I know Scott Lawton is a big voice. But if Sean Couturier can come back and be relatively healthy and step up, I'd be I mean, nice you know, say. yeah, I mean, you know the answers by now. I mean, you know who, who the most veteran guys are. Couturier is one of them. Cam Atkinson's another. Scott who, Lawton's another. Who said he expects to be ready for the season opener? By the way, Atkinson. Yes, we'll, we'll um, see about that. Well, every, every, everything with those guys is a we'll wait and see. I mean, I am not sitting here at the, at the very least. I'm not sitting here banking on getting 82 out of all of those guys. I you know I have I mean? a pit in my stomach when it comes to Sean Couturier. It's it's not something I'm wishing. It's not something I'm hoping for. But I just have this sinking feeling he's not going to be playing a whole lot more hockey. And you could be right about that. You could be wrong about that. There's and I don't no know to... anything. I right. Just... And there's uh, no, and there's no way. And the other thing is there's, it's really hard to know anything in the summer of while course. they're on their own and doing their own thing for the time being, you know, it's different story when we get to training camp in September and we can start really documenting certain things. Hey, this is what is going on over at practice or they tell us know. Ryan Ellis is going to play for the 400th time. <laughs> I don't think they're telling anybody I, that this time around. I know. I'm pretty sure he's uh, 
he's LTIR retired here. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, and that's beside, that's kind of beside the point. And then, so I guess, well, so to my, my point was, so you looked at Cates' contract and what he's given. Go to Cam York for a minute. And Cam York had, you know, 54 games last year, two goals, 20 points, which is, you know, for 54 games, the 20 points is actually kind of nice when you Out think of defense, about it. Like, not bad. Right. And overall, uh, or, oh, sorry, hold on. Last year at the AHL, or, or a career, I'm sorry, career AHL. Last year at yeah. the AHL, he played 20 games, three goals, 13 points. Career AHL is 62 games, seven goals, 30 points. And, NA, and interestingly enough, NHL is 87 games, five goals, 30 points. So he has the same number of points in both leagues, by the way. Um, different game totals. But this is what I, I was getting at. He's also gotten more comfortable the more he's played at the NHL. Level. Oh, sure. No question. The thing is, is you can look, and I don't know if I have, I'm trying to think if this is, cause I, well, you can count the games. I, I, like I listed for Kate's, you can count the games 82 this, this past season, a full season and then 16 at the conclusion of his college career when he signed after playing in college. So do the math, and I can do that math quick enough. It's 98. So he's got less than 100 games, and now I just said with York, it's 87. Are you making these big-time long-term commitments to two guys with less than 100 NHL games? Oh, you know, when, when everything is cap is firm right now, got to ride it out kind of thing. Are you making that right now? Probably not. So... Like, this is this is exactly what it is. This is the let's see what they've got kind of, you know, thing. And I think for does, York, it makes way more sense. Does Cam York run power play one this year? He should. Um, they do need – I mean, they need to work – like, one of the things that needs to be done with Cam York, and it's a conversation I've had in the press box multiple times, and not necessarily coming from me, but I've heard – like, sure. I've been part of conversations about this very topic. He need he, he they need to work on his shot because his shot doesn't have the accuracy that it needs to be a power play quarterback. I also don't think he has the confidence in it. Well, that's fair too, but that's why you get him a specific like get him you a know shooting how, coach. Well, exactly, but you you know how they do these skills practices. Sometimes they don't somebody, make it a full coach. Somebody get this man a shooter tutor. <laughs> I mean, pretty much though, like you need to. That's one of the areas that he needs to work on. I think he's actually been pretty fine, all things considered, everywhere else. Like, and f- I'm saying fine, not great. Right. Well, and, like, and give the kid a chance. This is his first time going into an offseason knowing that he's very likely to have an NHL job on day one the following year. He can spend the entire offseason kind of working well, on his skills and developing himself up with the confidence of knowing that he's not going to have to grind through Lehigh Valley for two months. Exa- well, exactly. He hasn't had the benefit of playing a true full season yet. Once he got called up this past year, yes, he did get to play the rest. Right, he's of the up year now, out. right? But it's different when you have the off season, and it's different when you go in and feel like you can see. Like, I'm I'm going to use this again because the writing is on the wall with this one as well to an extent, but in a different in a different way. Like, not the writing's on the wall. You're getting sent out somewhere. <laughs> I think the writing's on the wall that he's making the team out of camp. Absolutely. Like, I, and I, instead I, of I, instead of being a question mark, like last even last season, it was, is he going to make? And then he didn't. He ultimately didn't. Like right. Like and Tortorella I, I, put him through the ringer, and then he didn't make it. And I think it will help his confidence. Going through training camp, watching other guys get sent down, watching other guys kind of fall away, knowing that he's not, that he is secure, that he is going to be there. He can pick his, you know, he can get his locker stall situated, knowing he's not going to have to move it. Like, he's on the roster. And I think that'll be good for him. Well, exactly. And that's important. 
you know, it's important for him to know thing like to know that, and it's important for him to be, you know, in that position and all of that. So, sure. And and I think that like, like when you saw like, I'm trying to remember which one because I'm trying to remember which one came first because they weren't announced at the same time. They were announced on the same day, not at the exact same time. I think it was. Uh, Kate's I think Kate's first. was first. Yeah. So when Kate's comes out, you're like, okay, it avoids arbitration. You knew he was probably looking for a a bit of a bigger payday. And and I wonder and I wonder if they would have like I wonder if he would have taken a little less money than the two point six two five for three years, probably. You know, you know to, to, to have five, the, four. you know, or you know, because he didn't want the long long term deal, but I think he also maybe like they were trying to try to figure out a way to get to that three year mark. So I think I think they had to up the money to get him to agree to two, and that's that's what it came down to. Um, one of the things I do believe. Um, like, or when, so when York's came out is I thought that that like just hit right on the money. Like, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that value. I like, it just, it feels right. Everything about yep. that contract feels right. I'm not saying that, th- that it doesn't feel right about Cates's, but I think that with Cates's, you knew that there was a lot more in play. Like, I don't think York was out there actively hunting for get me to UFA status, get me to, you know, long term. I think it was straight up like, Hey, listen, you haven't played that much. And Here's two like, years and a million six, and and like we mentioned before, if if you did overpay somebody a little bit right now, it's unlikely to really affect the team, especially just over two years. You know, they're not going to be up near the cap; it's not going to be a problem. Um, so it's not like you know, if if Kate should have been making two point three, that three hundred k is not going to cost you because the Flyers aren't going to be within five million dollars of the salary cap. I'm pretty sure. So well, right. Um, okay. So, and then, uh, Luxell is a solid signing. He's a, he's a fringe guy. He might make the right roster now, at yes. some point. Uh, if, I would, if anything, I would, if he's anything more than a third liner at his peak, I'd be kind of surprised. Um, he's not the biggest noisemaker. He got some, he got some attention in camp last year. Did get a chance to play obviously at the NHL level. He to me seems like the type of guy right now, especially for the guys that we just mentioned who are supposed to come back. He seems to me like the type of guy that will play ultimately at some point because you deal with a few injuries. Sure. You know, and that's when that's when you're going to look around and, and say, or- who can we call up? And your organization isn't exactly the deepest at the moment. <laughs> you know, they're in the process of shipping guys out. They haven't really brought a whole lot of names in. No, but I think um, I, I do think you're going to have guys like Tyson Forrester's a prime candidate for this. You're going to have guys who graduate pretty maybe pretty much off the pretty top. Pretty aggressively. Right, like, and, and become part of it. Like, I, I almost start to factor Forrester in. And, like, because to me... Oh, to me, exciting. Well, to, to, to me, I think, like, the way that he played when he, when he got called up briefly, he'd have to fall off a cliff from that level to not make this team out of camp now. That's how you sell tickets in a rebuild. You sell it around Hope and the young guys. And I think Tyson Forrester will be one of those names that... I don't, I don't know if the Farg will be full this year because I... Huh. Yeah, uh, but I think it's more full because Tyson Forrester's playing. I think it's a reason to come watch. Yeah, you know, exactly. I do think it's a reason to go and watch and see what he's got and all that stuff. But Absolutely. I could, I could also see him maybe getting the York treatment where he's down for the first couple couple you know, months, first couple weeks, first couple months, and then comes up and hits possible. the ground running. So. It's possible. Um, yeah, but yeah. anything else on the RFAs here? Uh, we did also probably want to mention there is one unsigned name. It's Morgan Frost. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We should. We, we kind of expect that to get resolved. We don't we haven't heard anything to the contrary. You know, I don't think he's signing an offer sheet necessarily. 
Um, no, no, no. I think if nothing else, I think the only thing that's left for discussion is what's the deal look like? I wouldn't. I would be shocked if it's not in the same two year term. The money is kind of, you know, like he's, he's probably going to get more than Cates. Close, yeah. I don't. Three. I don't know how much. That's kind of what I was thinking, because well, because you got to remember something. He turned it on late in the season, got to twenty goals. That's a big deal. Um, you know, I wonder. I in. wonder if it's another situation where the Flyers are kind of pushing for a little bit of a longer term deal. Because, like, would you do five or six years on him at five million dollars, like you would do for for Cates? Mm. I don't know only because, like, okay, he didn't get – and he didn't reach 20 goals exactly. He got to 19, my bad. Okay. Um, but either way – interesting because you, you said you would do 5 by 5 on Cates. Would you do that? You wouldn't do it for Frost? Only because I haven't seen the consistency. Like, the consistency finally started to come around in the second half with Tortorella. I think what, you'd need to see was he that continue. What, Frost? Yeah. Was he um, hurt? Not last year. Okay, okay. Um, because I, like, I, I don't disagree with you. It does seem, it almost seems like he's been a little bit of a slow start on his NHL career. Well, and, and in fair, and in fairness, also, you're talking about a guy who also same thing, just completed his first full season. Right, has because, also played the yo-yo game. Well, because let's put it this way, he had 20 games in the year that they had the really successful run. They kind of didn't need him up because they were playing so well down the stretch of that season. They didn't need him to play at the NHL level in 2020. Right. Um, then 20, then the shortened 56 gamer in 2021, he spent, he basically played in the minors the entire time. He got hurt. That was the year right. he got hurt. Yes. And, and okay. didn't really, you know, and so he only played two games. He was hurt. That was the end of that 21, 22. He plays 55, but again, the numbers don't line up for this. He gets, you know, 55 games is well over half of the season. Yeah. Five goals, 16 points. He plays a full season now under Tortorella and gets you to 19 and 46. That's way yeah, bigger he, of a jump, and well, and I think Tortorella deployed him. I, I think Alain Vigneault spent a lot of that year kind of coaching for his job, and mm-hmm. making making decisions for getting wins more than necessarily the good of the long term roster. And I think Morgan Frost spent a lot of that year in the bottom six, not getting a whole mm-hmm. lot of important minutes. Kind of kind of sure. got pushed down. Sure, and I I. Th- think last year with Tortorella where he had a little bit more of a chance to blossom is a more true indicator of who the player is. Sure. And I do, I think, again, I think you just want to see it all carry out. I agree. He needs to have a bigger role or continue to have a bigger role. I should say is what more of what it is like now, now that you feel like you can elevate him into that level because of the way that the team looks, I think you continue to do that. He's another guy who, again, like in terms of, playing center versus wing because he could play both realistically speaking and if you're going to try him as a center which right now i mean i mean let's just like depending on what happens with couturier he may be your th- your second or third yeah like I, like let's just say if couturier is not playing at any given point then kate's is one and frost is two again probably right yeah and again this is a guy who at one point in time his face-off percentage was not far off from the 50 you know right and it dropped this year it's got you got to get back on that. If you're going to be a center in the NHL, you got to have a decent enough faceoff percentage, and well, not I'm, be out there losing, you know, eight in a row. And that's where hopefully Sean Couturier can come in because he has consistently been one of the better faceoff guys in the league, and hopefully sure. he can impart but some wisdom there. But that's where I kind of leave this one with Frost too. I think Frost is in the same boat where 
I think at this point you're still playing the show me something kind of deal, especially with the money commitment. I think I think that if you want to give him three million dollars for two years, you're fine with that. Like like I like I remember getting a question not to try to go all the way back to the beginning here, yeah. but to, but when D'Angelo got bought out, I, the question was, does the extra money help them in with Frost? And I kind of thought. I don't think it made a difference. I think they were under the cap enough that they would have been able to sign him. What it does yeah. open up, what it does open up is once you get the two and a half million and you get the extra money on top of it that they got by doing the buyout, you have a little bit more added flexibility that well, for two there's two things. One, whatever Frost wants or whatever you're gonna give him, I think now you can firmly say you will get there underneath of the cap threshold that you don't need to make any decisions. Like like you can decide when the season starts. Here's our roster, and we can move Ellis to LTIR right right away, and not have to play the well. York is waivers exempt, so we can send Cam York down with one point six mil on paper just to make this move. And then like they're not that they're not going to be that up against the cap now. Absolutely not. No. And that's what I think is important. Absolutely. Um. So that that kind of puts a nice little bow here on this. So. Uh, that brings us to kind of the overall picture. Now, obviously, sure. we've we've talked about the fact that there is still um, Morgan Frost unsigned, so Danny Breer is not quite done with the responsibilities he has this offseason. Uh, right. And obviously, that's setting aside any sort of trade that we may see. Right. But generally speaking, mm-hmm. how do you think he's done so far? So I, I, I guess I want to make – I think I want to start off with the reason why this is such a – a big topic of conversation. Yes, we're kind of at the point where you can evaluate it. Yeah. But and I, I think we should uh we should cap this off with a letter grade, by the way. Oh, you want you want yeah. to see I wasn't yeah, I didn't I even think... I was you can, I, I guess. I wasn't going to because if you want me to answer the question straight up, I think Dan Danny Breer has done a fine job. I agree. A fine job. It's it's not go out and scream from the mountaintops how great it is. It's not terrible. It's right in the middle. It's I got... I got him at a B minus. I think that's fair. That's relatively fair. It's not it's not outstanding, but it's not terrible. You, you right? lose a couple points for the Carolina trade falling apart, which it wasn't really his fault, but it is what it is. And you lose a couple points for the for Kevin Hayes, because that's not a great trade. You're retaining for three years. You're retaining half for three years, and all you got back was a seventh round pick. Like right. Pick. And I, I think it's this is enough. where I'm going and this is where I'm going with this in my notes, because if you, you be you're saying B minus, I, I think that's accurate. Like it falls in the range of it. It's fine. It's not great. It's not bad. It's right. Your fine. RFA contracts were solid, nothing no right. insane so, deals. So but so here's the thing. How do we get here? Because there was a lot of conversation, because there's there's people who sit there and like and, and in fairness, I understand why there's people on both sides of the spectrum. There's people who look like and, – and I think there's people taking it to extremes, by the way. Like in terms of the Hayes trade and the D'Angelo trade like not being what they were supposed to be or this falls apart or, or, or better yet, this much information being out there is leading people to believe this is you know loose lips in the organization, got to tighten it up, all that stuff. And I understand where that comes from. I get it. I don't think that was really all on Briere completely. I think that that's – you know, you're you're working with another team. I mean, let's put it this way: you're worried about the Carolina trade. Don Waddell told you it was pet, it was in principle done, right? So whose right. fault is that? You know, you know, uh, whatever. Right. That certainly sounds like Don Waddell went. Well, eh, never mind. It's not done yet. It's not on paper. Or or that or at the very least that it, exactly what we thought can happen happens, which is 
oh wait, that's out there. I want to wait a little bit on this. This is my backup plan now, or I or or maybe I can do both, but I gotta wait until this gets done first before I can do the other. So absolutely. So you're just stringing somebody along. I understand it. And on the opposite side, I do think there's also people out there who are going to start, and this this is gonna happen. This is because this is what happens in the social media world that we're in and things like that, where people are going to be one side or the other and maybe to the extreme that there's going to be people that, that think it's a great off season just because of what's no longer around. You know, I that think you're taking out the trash, so to speak. Right. I think addition by subtraction has some value to it um, because so like, we all agree that the Ivan Provorov trade was fairly spectacular, right. In terms of return. I think it was really good. Yes. It was really good. Okay. I'll say it that way. Um, you get rid of Kevin Hayes, you get rid of Tony D'Angelo, and you get rid of the guy who sat out a game of warm-ups this year. We're, we're not going to get into all that again. Uh, no, we don't need to do that. That's but, and, and, and that's not even the reason for the trades. I, I, I understand, but I wouldn't be surprised if it had a little, you know. Um, well, they, yeah, and they said they, they, they said it didn't, but that's. But whatever. I think we're looking. I, I, we don't need to rehash all that. I think we're looking for a culture reset. I think getting – I've talked about Kevin Hayes running this locker room for the better part of the last five years. And and somebody stepped in and told you whose locker room it really is kind of, yes. Right. Like that, well, that's that, that's where the coach thing came from. That's what we talked about with Tortorella. Like it's as, it's as much – that has as much to do with culture as it does with how good of a hockey player they are. Absolutely. Like seriously. And yeah. and here's the thing. Like I, I want to use this as an example of how the offseason is going because I laughed at this when I saw it. I don't know if you saw it. I don't remember if this came over in the group or not, but I remember seeing it and I got a laugh out of it because it's from Steve Dangle. So you know that I'm already going to say something good. This came at this came out the afternoon after the after D'Angelo was placed on waivers, unconditional wa- waivers for purposes of a buyout, right? Okay. Danny Briere, he tweets, Danny Briere's summer is giving big guy who just bought a house and is slowly discovering all the stupid DIY stuff the previous owner did energy. And then so, followed it up with a reply. Dangle bought a house about two years ago, by the way. And, okay. And it's followed up with like a quote as if Briere, as if this is Briere saying. Right. That. It's fine that there's a bike rack, but it's in the kitchen and I don't have a bike. Facts. You know what that I is... mean? Like it, it, and I got a laugh out of that because, well, and here's the thing. You're saying Dangle bought a house like maybe two years ago. Or about ago. a year ago, something like well, that. Yeah. Oh, well, hello. I bought a house like about a year ago and I know exactly what. Yes, I know what exactly what about. you're talking about. Um, nonetheless, so let's kind of go through the, the trajectory here of the, of the off season and kind of how we get like, especially how I get to the term. It's fine. You know what I mean? Because the Provorov trade in light of what you were just saying, I think set expectations a little bit high. There was, you know, a lot of information was out there at that point. They were open for business. The Provorov trade in and of itself was complex and creative and, Got the you, Flyers what they really wanted, which was another first-round pick. Got retention, like all sorts. And, yeah. and got what you really wanted, another first-round pick. Yep. And, and you didn't pay anything, not really anything more than Ivan Provorov to do it. Right. Right. Well, it was, yeah, Ivan Provorov and, right, and two minor league players, basically. My boy Hayden. <laughs> to do everything else. And yes, look, yes, did you take on contracts in return for it? Of course you did. But you got what you really wanted. The, the, the other first round pick was the big piece of the deal, and you got what you really wanted. Yep. When the reports of the Hayes trade to St. Louis were surfacing, it really almost did feel too good to be true that this many pieces could be on the move in such a blockbuster. It turned out to be a little too like, good to be okay, true. Well, well, hold on. 
it turned out to be a little less than having four current roster players in the deal. But the idea that but the idea that Hayes and Sanheim were going and another first round pick was on the table was equally as impressive. That's fair. When when the Hayes deal fell apart with Tory Krug not waving the no move clause and it, like I think it Danny Briere if he traded Kevin Hayes and Travis Sanheim after Ivan Provorov didn't care about the contracts coming back so, as much if he somehow or, and you didn't care or maybe I'm saying the fans didn't care about the contracts coming back as much if Danny Breer somehow or other goes two for two on acquiring first round picks and trades. Oh, I'd be, you know willing, what I mean? I'd be willing to put him in the Flyers Hall of Fame. Right. So now obviously that didn't happen. And I think that I think fans became sheltered and defensive again in the sense that they'd been scarred so much from the previous era that now you're becoming skeptical. We got like, a little excited hearing about this big fat blockbuster and then got a little burned on it. Right. And then you then you throw in the D'Angelo trade that ultimately never happens and turns into a buyout. Like at least the Hayes trade, the Hayes trade happens. It's not what you thought it was going to be. And then you kind of become a little, eh, I don't know. Now I'm a little, you know, skeptical of everything. Gun shy, and, right. Sure. And then the D'Angelo one that was always on the table false. You know, it doesn't happen. They go they they walk away. It turns into a buyout, and again, it's a bit of the same feeling that there was something out there that was supposed to happen and then didn't happen. Right. So here's the simple answer, and this goes back to the tweet that, I, that we were just reading, the dangle tweet. Briere's first offseason was always going to be about cleaning out what he could, cleaning up what he could. There's a part of me that sees the Provorov trade a little bit as a bonus because – I wasn't completely certain that he was going to be traded. I knew, like we just said, writing was on the wall with Hayes and D'Angelo. We knew they were gone in some capacity. Right. But was Provorov a definitive he's gone, or was it going to be more 50-50? You know, and that's kind of what I was feeling. Another important thing about Briere's offseason, and this is really why I kind of find some of this to be a little futile, is... Everything that he did that will be a part of the Flyers today is fine in terms of the offseason. Yep. If everything works out with Matt Mishkov, his first offseason is going to be great and borderline spectacular, potentially. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, it's the potential play. You're making a, a big bid on the potential of a player. It's something that will not have a resolution for several years, maybe even beyond the three that Mishkov is under contract in Russia, because once he, even once he does come over and play, you know, plays his rookie year or whatever, he could immediately jump right in and be great. Or it could take a year. You know, sure. you don't know the answer yet. So you got to pump the brakes on how good the offseason is because it all centers around Mishkov. And that's the big play at this point. The rest is what was is what it is. And for the record, we agree that that's the correct play. Like there is no there is no safe option to slowly improve the Flyers. Like you have to take some risks, move some pieces out. Make some big risky picks like you did with Matt Vaymichkov. Make some big risky trades like you did with Ivan Provorov. But that's the kind of thing that if you make enough calculated, large but calculated bets, and they pay off, that's mm -hmm. how you get a successful team. Sure. And when it goes for everybody, it goes for Mishkov, it goes for Oliver Bonk, who's going to be probably three years away from being anything noteworthy at this point. It's all fine. You're this is rebuilding. Welcome to the rebuild, and you're going to take steps to get there eventually. Like it's going to take steps to get there, but for now, this is what you're doing. Yep, yep. And I think Danny is doing a good job. I think we all kind of agree that he 
might not have handled everything perfectly, but he has at least he's got the ship pointed in the correct direction. And this is an open ended question, by the way. Like yeah. it's still an open ended question because you can get through certain parts. It's like there's no saying that this means they're 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 done making trades. I was going to say, there... and the off season's not even done. Like they they could still go out there right. and the trade bulk, like Travis and... Sanheim or whatever. It's a tartar now, but well, and the bulk of the off season's done. So most teams like like I even saw it kind of pitched as if Danny Briere can once Danny Briere can get Morgan Frost signed, it's set up with the way that the cap is that he can get Frost signed and go sit on the beach for the rest of the summer. If he wanted to. And I, I understand that that's not what they're doing. Like, you know what I mean? But like, it might be his plan. Ocean city is nice this time of year, but either way, um, eh, like, he strikes me as more of a sea isle guy. Don't they all <laughs> No, Cause for a long time, sea isle was dry. So for a long time, yeah, fair enough. No. <laughs> okay, fine. Recently. Don't they all that's fair. <laughs> I mean, for, God, for God's uh, sake, I just saw I just saw a story the other day because, and this maybe this is a good time to get into the rest of the league stuff because, um, so Bruce Cassidy just had his day with the Cup fairly recently. Oh my God! Did you see what he came out to? Yes, the Bruins goal song. Right, he came out to the Bruins goal song. Oh my God, it's so good. Um, where, where I was where I was going with that is one of one of Bruce Cassidy's assistant coaches is John Stevens, who apparently is having a kind of nice quiet day in Sea Isle City. Flyers legend, John Stevens. But he's having a uh, kind of quiet, you know, quiet sort of day right there. Stevens seemed like a Sea Isle guy, even when it was dry. Always seemed like a good dude. He said it was a nice, chill family man. Yeah, it it was. But either way, um, it's a good like. But that's it's funny that you're bringing that up, like about you know sitting on the beach. Also, like we're bringing this up, sitting on the beach for the rest of the summer. That's by the way, that like that's the whole that's a whole thing too. So, um, that John Stevens is taking the Stanley Cup to the Jersey Shore. That's awesome. That is, it, it, I shouldn't awesome. say to just to the Jersey Shore to his shore town where he actually has a place. You know, 1998 Calder Cup captain John Stevens. <laughs> yes. Oh, I had that VHS tape growing up. I had it legitimately like home recorded on a VHS tape. And one day my grandmother recorded the bold and the beautiful over it. Oh, pain. (laughs) But wait, there's a fun twist ending to that. They wrote a letter to the flyers. The flyers sent me like the commemorative tape. Oh, cool. With like the official label on it. Call their cup championship game five, the score, the date. It had the pep rally on the back half of the tape. Ugh. Classy organization. Anyway, Pretty cool. uh, Danny Breer's first offseason, again, not quite to a close yet, but kind of through all the big hurdles here. Yeah, and again, it's fine. He did a, he did a fine job fine. to start with. And, and uh, you, know, you know what it is? You're, what you saw was competence. You saw direction and competence. And that's about as good of a first step. <laughs> like, Revolutionary in Philadelphia. Well, and that's why I think there's people who go overboard with how good it really was, right? It's like, an A++++. Plus 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 plus. Like, it was good. He did a fine job. He knew exactly what needed to get done and did it. He successfully uh, As much managed. of it as he could. Right. right. As much of it as he could. And, and didn't, you know, for things not going completely according to plan or based on the way that they could have gone, like, like again, you had to deal with Sanheim involved. Sandheim's the only piece he didn't actually move. Like he still moved Hayes and he still moved D'Angelo, despite the fact that it didn't all go through in the same deal or wasn't a trade at all. He still right. moved the pieces that were intended to be moved and didn't exa- like if, sometimes you got to turn to plan B, C, D before Absolutely. you 
you know, before you know, to get something done that you just want to get done. Absolutely. All right. Speaking of pieces that moved. Yes. All sorts of free agents. It's time to play. Where's that player? Kevin, I'm going to rattle off some names. I want you to tell me where they currently play hockey. Oh my goodness. I mean, out of memory you're saying, or I mean, if you can, yeah, I, I have the cat friendly list up and I'm going, um, but I'm looking at the very bottom of it from July 1st to go off of where people sign. So if it's not right in front of me, I don't know how long I'm scrolling to find the team. So I'll take a shot though. I'll see All if right, I can remember. But we'll, throw, go ahead. We'll, start you off, we'll start you off nice and easy. Okay, fine. Go ahead. Where's Milan Lucic? Boston. Okay. He's back in Boston. Uh, where'd Blake Wheeler go? The New York Rangers. Okay. Keeping it easy. Um, how about Nick Bonino? Uh, Nick Bonino, I think, also went to the New York Rangers. Yes, he did. Uh, Dave Riddick's got a new team. Oh, that that might be one of my first tough ones then. Uh, L.A.? Correct. There you go. Um, how, about, how about Tyson Jost? Left, was- left the Colorado Avalanche. Well, he would know he left Buffalo. I think no, he, he got waived and then claimed, but he got waived by Colorado, claimed by Buffalo. Yeah. I believe, or and he he or he ended up all over the place. Well, he he's in Buffalo. He re-signed to Buffalo. Oh, is that what it is? He's yeah. in Buffalo. Okay, there you go. Say if if he got claimed by Buffalo, I forgot about that, but he re-signed there. So after being after being bought out by the Vancouver Canucks, where did <laughs> Oliver Ekman Larson sign? Uh, Oliver Ekman Larson signed with the Florida Panthers. That's a that's a good signing for them. I think, I think that's, that's an interesting one for them. I I really I see the fit for sure. Yeah, they they did also sign because they love Flyers backup goalies. They did also sign Anthony Stolarz. Correct. Which I think is hilarious. By the way, then do you want me to steal your thunder on one of them? Then because I also okay. know that I know that former Flyer goalie Alex Lyon, who was playing for the Florida Panthers, is now on the Detroit Red Wings. Yep. Yep. So is another former Flyer. Um, Shane Gostisbehere got Shane Gostisbehere. Uh, now Shane Gostisbehere. Okay. I, I, I forgot about this cause I wanted to mention kind of off the top of this free agency stuff. Cause yeah. Shane Gostisbehere is going to be one of the exceptions to the rule of this whole free agency period. Right. Because this was as of, again, I, 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 I kind of said it was, um, uh, I, as of the morning after the Cates and York signings went official was when I wrote an article about the bridge deals that were going on around the league and how everybody was kind of taking a certain deal or whatever. And I'm trying to get this, I'm trying to get the article to load on my phone okay. to read the actual numbers. Cause it's being really finicky. I don't know if that's an app app problem or if it's a phone problem. There it goes. Okay, here we go. So bridge deals are the current structure, whatever. So as of the morning that I published this, which was July 11th. So now that, that's fair also, by the way, right? We're about 10, that's yeah. 10 days into free agency. So 10 days into free agency, I have down that there were a total of 244 contracts that were both either listed as standard or 35 plus okay. that were, that had been signed of the 244, only 27. And this includes Shane Gossespierre mm-hmm. had signed for three years or more. Okay. Let's talk about another contract that's three years or more. One of the weirdest Which, contracts on free agency day. Who signed Miles Wood? Oh, uh, Miles Wood, Colorado, I believe. Yeah, six years, two and a half per. I got to tell you, by the way, I love. I really do like the fit for uh, Colorado, though. I oh, be. yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. I think the fit is really good. Um, some skill, some grit. He'll, he'll fit into their middle six beautifully. 
Um, all right. Uh, how about how about Jonathan Drouin? That's a name we haven't heard in a while here. Where did Jonathan Drouin sign? Oh, I should know this one because I made a really big deal about this. <laughs> like a big deal in the sense that it was just wherever he ended up, it was funny. <laughs> kind of. Like Jonathan Duran signed a one year deal for eight hundred and twenty five thousand dollars. I do know it was low scale. With the Colorado Avalanche. That's what I thought. I was gonna say yeah. Colorado because I think it's a and it was just interesting to see his name. Like I didn't think it was funny in the sense that it, like it didn't make sense. Like it's a good it's really a good deal for Colorado. It was just kind of one of those things where it's like Oh yeah, like you know what? It was almost one of those. Oh yeah, remember, remember right. him. Uh, uh, was, that, that's what it was. Next up, we have Stetson's favorite hockey player. Where did Matt Duchesne signed after Nashville kicked them out? Oh, Matt Duchesne. By the way, I know the answer, and I really like this deal for this team. By the way, it was it's, it's Dallas. It was one year, three million dollars. I think it's a really good deal. I think that's such a good deal for them. I just think it's hilarious that Nashville was like, "Hey, Matt." We're done. Thanks. And he went, all right, well, where else can I wear a cowboy hat? Uh, Dallas. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, that's, that's he weird. absolutely called them. Am I right? Like there's no way Dallas sure, picked up I, the phone first. Sure. I guess, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I'm, well, I'm sorry. Wait, well, I'm sorry. We all, Cause we all know he picked Nashville, like as a culture pick, like he wanted to go to Nashville because it's Nashville. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I'm, I'm sorry. I made a mistake with the Goss Bear contract, by the way, okay. Goss Bear, we did not get term. Goss Bear was a one year deal. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. But, but here was the rarity of it. So at the time, those 244 contracts I'm talking about. Yeah. Only 52 players signed for more than $2 million. Wow. 31 for $3 million. 16 for 4 million and Shane Gossesbear was one of the 16. Wow. 4.125 million dollars. That was what it was. It wasn't Another. that it was a term deal, it was a it was the money of it because nobody was signing for 4 million dollars on free agency day. Like how nobody. About, how about term and money? This deal is 6 years, four and a half per. Who signed Ryan Graves? Oh, the Ryan Graves contract, which um, I think is a terrible contract. Like he's so 28 said, years old, signed a six-year deal at four and a half per. Terrible contract. Ryan Graves is fine, but six years? Yeah, I don't know anybody who is signing a six-year contract right now. I mean, so Pittsburgh Penguins. Okay. Kyle I'm actually, Dubas. Okay. Because here's a – well, hang on. I, I should change – I want to change this back to everybody. No, it still, it still applies no matter what. So it was doesn't matter. US, UFA or every player that was eligible for a contract, the number's still the same when I say this. Do you know how many players got six years or more? Uh, it can't have been more than a handful. Uh, eight. It's less. It was, it was exactly a handful. It is – Five. Hello. Five. Yes. Wow. Um, and by the way – oh, my goodness. This is even funnier. Scott Mayfield getting seven to stay in Long Island? Jeez. Anyway. Well, well, this is where I was going with this. Do you realize that five contracts were six years or more and three of them were the Islanders? Uh, Yeah, because it turns out Lou Amarillo loves his guys. Now, in fairness, by the way, I do think one of those is a really good deal. He also signed a 35-year-old Semyon Varlamov to four years. Yeah, not that one. I was going to say four years for a 35 year old goaltender low low what are you doing for what it's worth the the contract i was going to was the other goalie contract was a really good one 
because getting Ilya Sorokin for eight years at eight point two five—that's a good hi, one. At, at his at his stage of his career, is much better. I understood that one a thousand percent. I under I hear you with the Varlamov one. Man, um, Varlamov's um, an ugly one. I mean, even 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 Pierre Engvall at seven years is kind of interesting. I mean, the cap hit's not bad. It's three million. That's okay. But like seven year deals at this point, I mean, that's pretty pretty rough. crazy stuff. I mean, at this point, like let's put this way: at this point. By the way, the other two contracts that are on the the five that were six years or more, the Graves one and, and Miles Wood. Yeah. They're the only two that were six flat. Like wow. the other ones are seven, which means the only team handing out seven year deals were the Islanders. That was it. Friggin' Islanders, man. There All were right. only there were only three more that went five, by the way. Do you want to go with who they are? And one of one of them's in the same vein as the Ryan Graves one, by the way, because it's one that I didn't get and it's the same team. Okay. So it's the Pittsburgh Penguins again. Yeah. Tristan Jari getting five at 5.375. I totally didn't get that. I mean, Jari, I just didn't get the term. It's this is a guy who, as far as I'm concerned, has been rumored to be on his way out for like three years running. And you just committed five years to him. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. Um, Um, all right. Uh, by the way, the other the other two that were in the five because this is quick stuff. We can do these easily. Uh, another goalie, by the way. You want to take any guesses on who the other goalie was? This is a deal I like, by the way. Uh, no, go for it. Jonas Corposalo okay. getting five years at four mil per with Ottawa. Yeah, that's a solid I really bet like for that. Ottawa. I do like that. And then the other five year deal was JT Comfer got five from Detroit for five point one mil. I think Corposalo's got the potential to be. To stand on his head at some point, to get hot and run oh, yeah. the team through the playoffs, like he could be Craig Anderson for them. Yeah, a little bit, and I think that that's something that Ottawa was missing. I mean, now granted, Ottawa's had, Ottawa's had some other things happen since that deal went down that changed the game a little bit for them. But but when you Fair. think about the, but when you do think about the overall scope of a younger team, and you think about how the back end is is Thomas Shabbat and Jake Sanderson, and the front end is in addition to Claude Giroux being the veteran guy of that group, it's Tim Stutzla and Josh you know, Norris, Josh Norris and, and, you know, all the whole group of them really. Eric I Brandstrom mean, on the back end. Uh, yeah. I mean, um, and, it's, and it's more than that too, because it's more than just Stutzla, obviously. I mean, it's okay. now, now it's no longer to bring it. I get that, but they'll, they'll fill their gap somewhere, but they've got a lot of young players and it's a really good team. All right. I got a good one for you. Flyers legend. Three okay. year, three year deal. Yeah. Where's Rad, Where's Radko Gudis? Oh, um, Radko Gudis signed in Anaheim. Yep, the Anaheim Ducks. Anaheim had another contract that I do want to get into, so I'll just and I'm looking this one straight up because I yeah. know that they do. By the way, they also signed another former Flyer. Do you want to take a play? Do play that one? I think I saw this and I can't remember. Was it Was it at Robert Hag? Yep, Robert Hag got yeah. a one year like vet minimum deal. Yep, yes. we love but, that for him. But this was one of the other. This was one of the really more interesting deals to me because for on a day when there was not a lot of big term and money thrown around, like we just mentioned, yeah, this was one of the more eventful ones. Alex Kalorn got four years at six point two five mil from Anaheim, which is really interesting. Um, it's interesting because of where Anaheim is, to be honest with you. I mean, Anaheim kind of being one of the bottom feeders of the league last year, still looking to kind of take that jump with some of the younger guys that they have. Like, yep, it's an interesting deal. You know, but I thought that that was one of them that kind of falls in line. Um, a deal that I thought was really interesting. It's, an, it's another four-year deal for a veteran player. Okay. Who signed Ryan O'Reilly? 
Oh, I know the answer to this one. This I thought this was a big this was a big splash, which means I guess that I can sit there and, and instead of saying Smashville, say Splashville. Yeah. I I had I in fairness I, that was that yeah I saw that so I saw that else. I um, but, that's fair. But but Nashville, he signed that, in Nashville. To me, that's the one that kind of slid under the radar just a little bit. Ryan O'Reilly kind of, going yeah. there, like I think that's a big signing for them. Like I, I think, think it matters a lot. Yeah. I, you know, it's interesting to see him that close to St. Louis, but not back in St. Louis. That's, that's a very interesting decision out of him. Yeah, it is. I do think so. Yeah. Uh, Uh, Anybody else we want to have fun with while we keep going through this? Right. Um, yeah, let's see here. I do do like this method. So this is fun. Let's keep doing it this way for a couple Uh, of I'm still on July 1st, by the way. Okay. Oh, goodness. I have the whole list up. Dimitri Orlov. Oh, I know this one as well because okay, we well we, we you know big what? money deal. Actually, this is a little bit of a cheat in a way because we talked about this on the last show. That's fair because it was Carolina two years seven seven five I believe seven seven five. That's a lot of money. That is that was one of the biggest money deals out there. I mean, yeah. to, be honest, to be honest, let's play this game now. I'll I'll narrow down all the contracts that were more than six million dollars. It's guess well. Okay, and this one of these doesn't count because it was a contract extension, not a. Uh, <laughs> okay. Like, well, Strokin was too, by the way. Strokin wasn't a true free agent, hey, right? He got eight years, so they had to have done it bef- before July first. Sure. Yeah. So we already t- like, so you want to go the money that anybody who's been signed as a UFA that got more than six million dollars. We already said Kalorn. You just brought up Orlov. We talked about Sorokin, and there's one other player who did, and I think this is very fairly understood because it's a guy who's not going anywhere from the team he plays for. Um... I never would have expected to be honestly. I don't remember. Because can you see Andre Kopitar playing for anybody else no. besides LA? No, absolutely not. So him signing, so him signing at thirty six years old for another two years at seven mil per. Right. No, just because he signed after free agency opened, like nobody else called him. Like it's not. He was never available. He was never on the market. Sure. Stop. Um, what, I'm, what, I, what I'm getting at is there was nearly no seven million dollar contract. Well, there. right. That's that, what I'm saying. Where it was. Um, let's, let's play this game then. Okay. And I'm so I'm. I'm looking at a handful that I didn't talk about already, but so Kopitar, Orlov, we mentioned Comfer, Sorokin, Kalorn, and Jari all made over five, are all are getting over five million dollars as a cap hit. There are two more that I didn't mention. Any guesses? Over five? Yes. Um... And, and for what it's worth, one of them did sign on July first exactly, okay. and the other signed the next day. Hmm. And one of them was a big enough name that it shouldn't be surprising. Like one of them is kind of, one of them. I can see how it would have slipped under your radar because it's not really a big. It's a. It's not really okay. a big deal, and b. It's not with a team that you're going to make a big deal about. Yeah, so which, one, you which one are you talking about? Uh, that's Jason Zucker with Arizona mm-hmm. at one year okay. at five point three mil. But the other one was a big deal because everybody was waiting on this, um, and he he got over five million dollars. But he did he he was another one who took the short term. It's a one year deal. And he guesses yeah. who I'm talking about. One year, five and a half mil. One year, five and a half. Oh, um, 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 Bertuzzi in Toronto. Correct. Yep. Because everybody was waiting for Bertuzzi, like in, in a way. Like it was a big deal that Bertuzzi hadn't signed after day one. And he, he was, finally he got was a domino. Yeah, yeah. He, um, and then over the next several days, you see kind of a lot of depth signing. And that's when you see uh, Mark Stahl signed with the Flyers. You see, uh, okay. Uh, you want to want to keep going while we have some fun with this because yeah. there's one other like I'm not kidding this this is how limited this was by the way because I okay. talked about the number of players who got maybe who got four million dollars I said it was 16 as of July 11th right yeah it's still 16 
Wow. Okay. okay. Now, hang on. It's still 16. We've mentioned every player except for one. Any ideas? No. I'll give you, I'll give you a quick hint. It's another player who signed with Toronto. Klingberg? Yes. Okay. Klingberg's John Kling- fun. John Klingberg got basically the exact, almost the exact same contract that Shane Gossespierre got. That's hilarious. One year, 4.15 mil as opposed to 1.25. That was hop, pretty cool. Hop in the DeLorean and go back to 2018. Tell me that tell me that Klingberg and Ghost signed for the same number and then ask me what the number is. Sure. I don't I now, don't say 3 million. Now, okay, okay, and I'm done with the guessing game. So, I've I've dropped the money number down to 3 million dollars and guess what? According to well, oh no, okay, this is this is different. So, a little different. Let me see if there's anybody else at 4 million then cuz I was just looking at UFAs, so I'm checking to see Okay, sure. And we already mentioned his name, so I'm not going to make this a big guessing game. Alex Debrinkit getting his contract extension. Yep. At four, so four years at seven point eight seven five million in Detroit after getting traded there, which by the way is his hometown team. Yep. So, okay, I get and that. I did have one more hometown team shout out. Uh, Max Domi, one year, three million well, in Toronto. That was where I was going, by the way, because I was yep. dropping it to $3 million and I was looking okay. at everybody because one of them, by the way, was one of the RFA deals that got done was recently, by the way, was Keandre Miller got a, got a two-year deal at $3.872 million cap hit, which is, again... A super plays, solid deal. No, but It's a solid deal, but it plays that card, doesn't it? Yep. Bridge, bridge deal for an RFA. That's a, that's a great deal for them. So I'm looking at some of the $3 million deals, and let's have some fun with you. You know, oh, by the way, you want to go with another good bridge deal that I think is pretty solid? How about Bowen Byram getting two years at 385 mil as an RFA? That, oh, man. I'm going mean, to I'm I'm quote Chuck Fletcher here. That's the smallest contract he's ever going to sign. Yeah, he's setting himself up for fun, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, okay, okay. July... 16th, 2023. Is yeah. Bowen Byram's next contract 10 million plus? Ooh. I think the answer is yes. I mean, he becomes he become the highest paid defenseman on Colorado because Kale McCarr signed before then. That's about the only reason. It, okay, then it, it then it I mean it's one he's they're one and one A at this point. I mean, they're getting close yeah. to it. I mean, Byram's really good. I think it might be 10. And like by that point. In With where the years. cap is, yeah. Well, in t- right, because in two years from now, if you're his agent, you're not arguing number against Makar. You're arguing cap percentage against Makar. Uh, so I'm trying to look. I'm trying to look now at some of the other deals. I'm. I'm right now. I'm on the th- anything that was more than three million dollars. But, um, I do. I do like this. Um, so I'm. Just, I'm reading off. Like I said, I'm done with the guessing game. For yeah, 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 I'm gonna yeah, try yeah. to wrap. Yeah, up we've gone through team. most of the major names. We're. Uh, we're I just do. Out of here. I do. Li- I do like the Evan Rodriguez one for Florida at four years, three mil. I think that that's an interesting deal. Um, uh, this is one that I thought was a good fit for where he is and for for how well the team played. By the way, for for the player, for where he pl- like for what he plays, for the team he's going to, for the term and the and the deal in general. Brian Dumoulin to Seattle for two years at 3.15. I really like that fit. I think Seattle doing what they did in the playoffs last year, adding to that back end is good. Um, Absolutely. See if there's any other really good ones on here. I'm not really in the watch, 3 million range. Watch out for Seattle, by the way. They've, oh, I know. they've set themselves up kind of quiet, kind of nice. Uh, I don't know if you saw, but the, uh, the Athletic put out an article on 
some season predictions, and they had Seattle as one of their dark horses. Mm-hmm. Seattle's like plus four thousand to win the cup right now. Interesting. So I do want to. Uh-huh. Like, so one of the things I do want to talk about. Maybe we'll start with Seattle, by the way, just in general, because I'm looking at some of the playoff teams from last year and what they did, and kind of looking for like some of those value plays that they did, especially with the short term deals, right? So. Not necessarily anything spectacular on the end of Seattle. Do, uh, do we want to quickly give a nod to uh, former flyer Pierre Edouard Belmar got a one year deal there? Yep. Um, that's an interesting nobody, one. Nobody loves Pierre Edouard Belmar more than Dave Haxtell. So uh, this was already done. And I think I mentioned, I mentioned this guy's name on the last show, but we didn't say where he ended up signing. I do like the idea of taking a chance at one year, 1.5 mil for Kyler Yamamoto. Yep. Seattle. I think that's a great. Option <laughs> Man, Yamamoto might play in their top six. Okay, well, so yeah, he might. There's a possibility. Who knows? Um, so you already and mentioned if you Joe. put him in that top six with the skill they have there. So holy crow! So uh, I'm just I'm just picking I'm picking playoff teams and going through them really quick and just trying to see if there's anybody we missed. So Toronto, we we hit all the big ones. We pretty much we hit Domi, Bertuzzi, and Klingberg. Um, we didn't say one though that I kind of want to touch on because this was kind of an interesting deal to me, Int- and I do mean interesting. Okay. Uh, Ryan Reeves getting three years at 1.35 mil per. Yes. That's an interesting um, deal. It seems as though Toronto, and more specifically Brad Living, and by Brad Living I mean Brendan Shanahan, uh, is tired of being pushed around. A little bit, yeah. Um, Tyler Bertuzzi, Max Domi. Like, what do these players have in common? Like, we talked about it earlier. <laughs> we talked about it earlier with Travis Konechny. Like, those are both guys... That are chirpers. They're going to talk to you. They're going to get in your face. They're going to be in your ear all game. They're going to be trying to get you off your game. Well, by They're the, be trying by, to get you to punch them after the whistle. And, well, and by the way, if you wanted any justice, like not that it's not that it's still a good deal. I'm not saying it's not a good like I'm not saying it's a good deal. But if you wanted any justification as to how Nick Deloria got the four year contract that he did, and Ryan Reeves, fair. Yeah. Like seriously, like if you're looking for yeah, like, but the problem is still value the it. problem is nobody's as good as Ryan Reeves. Ryan Reeves is the only one left out of that grouping who yeah. is good enough to make it work. Makes sense. Um, by the way, I looked at a couple other teams. Vegas didn't really do anything specific. Um, kind of nothing, nothing much from Winnipeg either, other than like Winnipeg brought back Laurent Brassois. Well, and, and Winnipeg, Winnipeg is another one of those teams that feels oh, you're like they're not done. Yeah. Right. All right, we talked about Hellebuck. They did ship Wheeler out, so that team does change a little bit just because of that from the locker yeah. room perspective. I hear you there. Um, um, let's keep going down in order. I'm going in reverse order, by the way, alphabetically, if you can't tell, just trying yeah. to go through the bottom of the list. Uh, Tampa with Connor Sherry is a pretty interesting deal. That's, that that kind of fits their mold, doesn't it? Yeah, but they, like lost, a, they lost some pieces, didn't they? Oh, they lost a lot of pieces. Yeah, they, you know. they, they, they got real serious surgery done on their roster, and they're going to have to fill it from their organization. That, that, that was just one I was thinking of. I'm, try, I'm, sure. trying, I'm, trying to, I'm just kind of really quick scrolling through and whipping through each team to kind of see if there's anybody we missed. We've talked um, about what Carolina's been doing. We've yeah, I know. I'm pretty heavily to, this episode. Oh, and I'm also trying to go through, like, if, an, if a big name pops up even on a bad team. Right. Like, it's worth mentioning. Um, right. There, there were a couple bet-on-me deals in Arizona. Pit, by the way, so Pittsburgh did a ton, by the way, that we still yeah. haven't mentioned. Kyle yet. Dubas I mean, has been very busy. Um, so, like, Alex Nedeljkovic signed there as a, goal, you know, as a goalie option. Nolachari got a one-year deal. Or, or, no, sorry, got a three-year deal there. Nolachari got three years at $2 million. Lars Eller got two years at $2.45 million. Um, well, you, you know where Nolachari played his juniors, right? 
Uh, not off the top of my head as I'm trying to think of it. No. You know who his general manager was in juniors? Was it Kyle Dubas? Sure was. Okay. How, he was how, a, he was how, a how about how, Greyhound. Okay, fine. How about this connection then? Because do you remember the, the, the game that got Ron Hextall fired? Which, game which was time? That? No, which game was Oh, that? for the Flyers? Okay. Yeah. You oh, know who oh, it is. You've oh. said it before. We said it recently. Um, I know what game that was. I can't remember. He had a hat trick. Oh, um, Andreas Johnson. Yeah, so Andreas yep. Johnson signed for one year, 800000 in Pittsburgh. Gee, I wonder why. Who was the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs at that time? <laughs> right. You know, um, oh, uh, a couple from Ottawa we can go into because I forgot again. Former flyer Zach McEwen signed yep. for three years, three years in Ottawa at the very uh, base minimum salary pretty much. So I get it. You know, there was not much, not much else from Ottawa other than that. Uh, did we get on all the Rangers ones? We said – Oh, there's one. There's one Ranger we gotta mention. Okay. That signed. There actually two of them because one of them made me laugh and one of them made me go, "All right, that works." Um, the one that made me laugh was Eric Gustafson got one year at eight hundred twenty-five thousand dollars from the Rangers. Yep. The one that I said, "Oh, that that actually makes a lot of sense." Is Tyler Pitlick got a one year seven eighty-seven five hundred? You know. I I wanted to mention Tyler Pitlick by the way. He's thirty-one years old and he just signed for his seventh team. Seriously, oh, oh, we're getting into Mike Sillinger territory I, here. That's what I'm saying. He's young enough that he can bounce around for a couple years and get that record broken. But if you click on his page, he, he had a little stretch at the start of his career, and over the last like four years, he's played on six different teams. So I got okay. So now I've I've scrolled through a couple more teams to find some more noteworthy ones here. I've yeah. got a couple of Nashville Predators for you. One is a former Flyer that I feel like we have to mention. That'd be Luke Shen. Luke Shen. Yep. Three they years. Did, they did sign Cody Glass back, didn't they? Yes, they did. That's that's pretty funny. Um, the uh, Gustav Nyquist got a two-year deal at three point one eight five. That's kind of interesting to me. And and then here's a deal that I want to mention because I think it's I think it's a really smart deal for them. I think it's a really good take a chance deal. Dennis Guriana for one year at eight hundred fifty thousand. Great, that's love a, that deal. Yep, love that decision. Thousand percent. Um. Do we want to talk about? I forgot about the. I forgot about this guy too. And this this one didn't come through until a few days ago. This came through actually on the same day as as I was talking about with the article, July eleventh. Okay. How about the the Alex Newhook deal? <sighs> Man. Yeah, Alex Newhook going to Montreal and then signing for four years. That is a, yeah. Interesting deal. Montreal's right? got themselves a good player there. Newhook and Caulfield on the ice at the same time. Come on, come on. Okay, this this cracks me up in a totally different way. There's not a there's not really a player we need to mention by name or anything like that because they were literally two two way deals we're talking about. But Minnesota only made two signings in the entire period of free agency so far. Well, they just don't have any money. Well, that's true. They, they're this is I believe this is when they're getting hit by the Suter and Parise buyouts pretty hard. I think they have sure. some negative some negative cap over the next couple of years, so their situation is tough. Okay, so here's here's what I'm going. So I'm moving on again. Uh, so L.A., you already mentioned David Riddich, but um, how about Cam Talbot, too? Flyers legend. Cam Talbot getting a one-year, $1 million contract. I, I got I to know, though, also, by the way. So, so who's playing goal next year? Because they still have Phoenix Copley. I think... I mean, one of them's obviously a replacement for Corpus Allo. I get it, right? But the like, thing is, in today's NHL, if you don't have an Andre Vasilevsky, a Connor Hellebuck, a Carey Price... Oh, I know you need two, but do you, you need... I mean, you need three. Three! three. You, yeah, but usually your third is the guy who's, like, sometimes the up-and-comer in the minors, too. Not in like Vegas. They, 
Well, that's I mean, true. in Vegas it was because it was Logan Thompson until you know when and then Robin Lehner goes down and Logan Thompson comes up and turns out he is the guy and then that's Aiden fair. Hill's the guy. Um, so Who anyway, was their fourth goalie on the depth chart true. at one point? So, so you already mentioned a couple of guys from this team. You already mentioned Stolarz and Ekman Larson, and we talked about Evan Rodriguez too with uh, Florida. But there's a couple others I want to bring up because uh, they definitely had a focus on defense. By the way, yes. Um, because in addition to Ekman Larson, Nico Mikola, Dmitry Kulikov, Mike, Mike Riley, and every one of them, like, okay, Mikola, Mikola got a decent deal at three years, 2.5 mil, but Kulikov is one year, 1 million, so is Mike Riley. Like, those are good. Wow. Yeah, are you paying You're not paying much. Mike Riley anything at this point? Yeah, I'm not signing the, no, but it's good either for depth. one of them to more than one year. No, but it's it's good for depth, and that's a team that probably, look, probably looked at the way the playoffs went and went, gee, you know, we really could use some depth. It turns out you got you you need to be deep to go four rounds, but and I guess I guess Ekman Larson kind of replaces Mark Stahl to an extent, and Mikola kind of comes in and replaces Gudis. Probably upgrades will. both like, of them, to be honest. I would say yeah, a little bit, yeah. Oh, and by Mik- the way, Mikola to Gudis is a little closer. Gudis yeah. might be better, you know, at what he does at the current moment, but. And by the way, do we want to mention another former flyer who got signed in Florida just for the sake? And and you'll you'll know why I'm saying it for the sake of mentioning it because it's for the sake of mentioning it, just like somebody else for the sake of mentioning it mentioned his name. Okay. Anybody want to talk about Jerry Mayhew getting a contract? Good in, old uh... Gerald. <laughs> Good for um, him. Let's see if there's any other ones quick while I go through the rest of the team. Uh, I found the Drake Kajula one in Edmonton interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not it's really. It's interesting. Surprised. I mean, they're not they're not big cap hits. You knew that. Like it's Edmonton; they don't have a lot of cap space. And how many guys sit around going, "Yeah, I would take pretty much any contract with Edmonton, or any guy with some skill and some speed." So who goes, man, I I would take a contract with Edmonton just in case I get a chance sure. to play with. Now Connor. speaking speaking of players formerly with Edmonton, because this this will be a tie-in because it's one of them at least. Um, Let's talk about Detroit for a second with this. We already talked about Goss despair and stuff like that, but okay. their off season is really interesting to me because they gave out some contracts that like, and I'm, we mentioned the Comfer one too. And I look, I really like, look, I like JT Comfer. I don't know if he's the same player on Detroit that he was in Colorado because it's right. a different roster. Um, Clem Costin got a deal with, uh, got a two year deal with Detroit, Justin Hall for three years. Um, James Reimer for a year. Daniel. Did they sign- did they sign Ben Sherratt this offseason? No, that last. Like, that was last year? Okay. But uh, Daniel Sprong for a year at $2 million. See, here's the thing. I like that contract in a nutshell, like one year, $2 million for Daniel Sprong. That's a great really deal good. on him. Could be really good for them. But I'm, like, looking at it, and I'm like, I don't know if that team's, like, better based on all those players, you know? Like, the sum of the players, I don't know if it makes them better. Yeah, but I, I think those guys might end up being more depth than necessarily they appear at first look. Like if they're sure. expecting Marco Casper, Marco Casper and Elmer Soderblom and some of these guys to kind of take that next step. Yeah. You I know, if, if Simon Edvinson makes the team and is playing on the roster this year, then uh, one of one of your defensemen get bumped out, right? Maybe that bumps Jake Wallman out of your lineup. Oh, I was gonna say I, one of the guys I was gonna say is, is isn't Bergeron one of those guys too for them? Yes. Who is yes. like, hey, if he jumps, then that's a big deal. Sure, William I, Wallander, I they they have Jared McIsaac is there and could make a step at any point. Like they they have the kind of quite frankly they have the kind of organizational depth. I'm hoping that the Flyers get to coming out of their rebuild, like. I want the Flyers to have this same exact offseason that Stevie Y is having two years from now. 
I, I get you. Right, I, where, I understand it. Where where you have your big pieces and you have your guys who you're expecting to step up. Sure. And things are kind of starting to come along. Like they're starting um, to come out of their rebuild and just starting to kind of work their way up the, the so Atlantic division. So let's do a couple quick hitters and we're out of here. Um, yeah, yeah. Nothing, time. nothing, nothing big with Dallas outside of the Duchesne one, like Craig Smith, Sam Steele, a couple quick one year deals. That wasn't much. Um, this is a fun one because you realize the only contract that I, all that Columbus has signed in the last two weeks has been the Adam Fantilli entry level deal. Yep. That's pretty interesting. We touched on a lot of the Colorado guys. Um, some of these guys are sticking around. We said Drew in. Um, yeah, I don't really see anybody else for Colorado that we didn't touch on already. Let's not go there. Um, oh, this is an interesting one. Chicago signed Ryan Donato for two years, $2 million. I I think Chicago signed a bunch of guys that if things work out with Connor Bedard and they actually have a bit of a team, then I think a lot of those guys well. Stay. I think they dump a lot of the depth at the deadline. Well, if, here's the interesting thing. You're, th you're thinking of contracts that were signed, maybe signed a little earlier, perhaps. Like, I yeah. think they, they re-upped Athanasiu, right? Like, that's one of them. I, I believe so, yeah. yeah. So they actually only have signed one contract since free agency opened. It's the Donato really? one. They, and they still haven't signed Bedard to the uh, entry-level deal yet. We all know that's coming. I know we know it's coming, but you know what I mean. I'm just bringing it up. Um, yeah. I think uh, they, like, Carolina... As of right now, by the way, Fantilli and Carlson have signed, so... Correct. Out of, the, out of the top three, it is just Bedard. Um. Did oh, by the way, did Will Smith sign? I don't believe so. I think he's in college, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's right. He's so I don't to, believe he'll be signing. Um, that's at right. least this year. No, you know what it is. I think he might have been able to attend the development camp. Probably is what it yeah, was. Yeah, you're allowed to attend that. dev camp, but you can't yeah, sign. So. Um. So not, He looked great in dev camp, though. I'm sure. A lot of the Carolina stuff was re-signings. They brought back Freddie Anderson, Antti Ranta, uh, Jesper Faust. Um, Faust, by the way, at two years and 2.4 mil is probably a really smart signing for them. Like he was, he was good in the playoffs last year. Good for them throughout the course of the year. I understand that. Um, I guess the only notable name to bring up is Brendan Lemieux signed there for a, for a one year, 800,000, which was like, so, you know, so that means Tony's going there too, right? Well, that's why a lot of bring the podcast back together. Uh, I got nothing, got nothing much from the Calgary side of things. Buffalo, Buffalo signed Eric Johnson, which I found interesting. Okay, yeah. I mean, Eric fair. Johnson, who had been in, Eric Johnson, who had been in Colorado forever. Yes, staple of that line for you know ever. Um. Okay, this is one team I do want to talk about really fast because we already mentioned a few of the names, but I want to talk about Boston's offseason because Boston went very heavy on the short term deals. Yes. And got a lot, and got what I would call a lot of value plays. I think, like, I agree. Like, I I loved the Morgan Geeky signing for them. I thought that was a great decision. Like, we all know Bergeron and Krejci are coming back, right? Like, I would be shocked if Bergeron's not back, and I assume that Krejci's going to follow. I've, I've, you know, like if y'all if y'all thought Boston was just going away that easy after that first round exit. No, and hey, all right, fine. You want to play this card with the Bergeron one? By the way, what did I say when the? Uh, when the when their series ended, when we were doing all the playoff shows, I'm like it just felt like it can't end like this, right? That's exactly right. And so, I think that's what they're saying to themselves. You don't sign Milan Lucic if Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci aren't coming back. Like it's it okay. feels like Chicago Blackhawks getting the band back together. You know, right. trade, trading for Brendan Saad for the hundredth time. Now we did. Uh, yeah, exactly, and and a lot of these a lot of these veteran guys too, like to bring in James Interim's Dyke, to bring back Lucic, to bring in 
Kevin Shattenkirk on a one-year deal. Like the boys are back. They all qualify in the same way. Now they're, you know, they, they made some others that are different that I think will be good for depth. Jesper Boquist is a good pickup at, at for one year at 775,000 for depth. Uh, do we want to mention this guy really quick? Also Patrick Brown, former flyer. Yeah. Now, now that one makes a ton of sense by the way, because where did he play college? Right. Yeah. Where did he play college hockey? Say Come it. on. Um, now I do want to mention, normally you would think why you would think, you would why think? would we, be, why would we be talking about this team in a free agency thing? But this is actually pretty noteworthy because I don't know if you've seen this or not. So I do want to mention it. Um, Arizona made a few like low, low risk. And like Arizona kind of is around. dangerously approaching, looking like they might be an NHL team this year with, well, cause let's mention the names, the names that I do want to count. Cause we mentioned Zucker already. And I want to throw in Troy Stetcher, Alex Kerfoot, Nick Bukestad, Travis Dermott, and Zach Sanford all kind of qualify as like, that's, hey, like, a, are, that's like a line and a like, half of real NHL players. Right. Now I do want to mention another player. This is the reason why I'm bringing it up. Cause I do want to mention another player who had a very strange saga go on. That was in the news league wide. That was Alex Galchenyuk, Alex Galchenyuk, <sighs> who yep. now let me try to make sure I remember the timeline of this correctly. Signed on July 1st. Well, hold on a minute. Alex Galchenyuk got traded to Nashville in the um, uh, well, whose deal was it that I'm thinking of? You, you know what it was? It was the, there was a deal. Um, it was the deal with Colorado. The, it, it preceded yeah, the one I, with I, Hayes, where it was a salary dump. I know the one you're talking about, but I can't remember the details. Uh, Ryan Johansson. Ryan Johansson. Okay, right. That's what it was. So Alex Galchenyuk's rights went to Nashville. Nashville says we're not signing you. So now he ends up in the free agency pool, and he signs on July 1st with Arizona. And then apparently, well, let's, let's not say apparently. Let's start with what we know for fact, which is 11 days later was being, or less than two weeks later, was being bought out for ter- purposes of contract termination. Wait, By the way, the con- for purposes of termination. Right. The contract was um, one year, was one year 775000 right, so it, it was a minimum deal. Right. So it's not like it was a big deal or anything like that. Apparently, he was arrested under, uh, for a, what was a hit, a hit and run. And. Yep. Uh, all oh, of this type oh. of stuff, and allegedly, a said some pretty awful things. And right. Was was oh. threatening. Was you know made 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 horrific comments, things like that. Resisted arrest. Resisted arrest. I believe was part of the report as well. Like Ale- allegedly death threats and racial slurs. Bad. Right. Bad. Resisting, bad. 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 Right. Resisting. So that saga is over with at that point. Like they've, 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 his career might, his career might be done. I think it is at this point, you know, at the very minimum, I hope he gets the help that he needs. Sure. Of course. Because that is not a person who is rational, but other, Uh, but otherwise everything else, everything else qualifies. Everything else was done. That's it. That's it. No more. You know, there's nothing else to really talk about with that. You know, it is what it is. And, and, oh, by the way, I guess really quick, we should mention from a free agency standpoint, there are a handful of names out there that don't have homes. Right. There are still some names remaining to be shaken out. A lot of that has to do – some of that has to do with the Eric Carlson situation. Right. Now, now two of – okay, and this is really cool because lucky for me, and I just looked this up, Daily Faceoff and Frank Saravalli usually does this um, with the top free agents. He just updated the top remaining because of D'Angelo hitting the market, I believe. Okay. So – these are these are the handful that don't have contracts, and in some cases I understand it, but in others it's not a big deal. Um, like like Jonathan Taves, we kind of think that we know where this one's going. He might so be he's done. still available. He might be done. Um, Phil Kessel is still a free agent, and I wonder where the thought process there is. You know, he just won a Stanley Cup, even though he wasn't playing actively playing in the games. Yep. He just won a Stanley Cup and is thirty five and has a lot of mileage. Maybe that 
that happens. Uh, how about Paul Stastny at 37? You wonder. Yep. Um, but there's other guys who are younger who you're like, huh, why hasn't this happened? Dennis Matt, Malgin and Tom Thomas Nosek are two that kind of come to mind. I, th- I think Matt Dumba is kind of waiting on the Eric Carlson saga. It Probably appears, a little bit. It, it appears as though he has a deal in place with Arizona, sure. but he hasn't signed it kind of um, just in case. He, let's see. No, Vla- no, Vladimir Tarasenko. Well, Tarasenko is the big one. I was kind of going to round out with that. Oh, okay. Um, Noah Gregor and Pia Suter are still available. Tomas Tatar is still available. Jesse Pugliarvi, um, Ethan Bear, Max now, Comtois. Some, okay, now some Comtois, quality names. Now Comtois, there's a caveat. I think I saw because he was on that. He was on the Hockey Canada uh, team. So fair there enough. you go. That's he ain't probably why. Right. That's probably why they're waiting. Um, I saw. I've seen a lot of stuff. Patrick Kane's still a free agent, and I've seen a lot of stuff that Kane's going to wait until he's closer to being healthy because he's have he's. He, the injuries wore the injuries wore him down so much he's not even going to sign right away. Pat, Patrick Kane strikes me as the t- point where he's at his career where he's going to sign in January. He with could. Somebody. I mean, so and, you're kind of and you're playing. Uh, who's earned it if not Patrick Kane? Like I'm not. You know, you're playing the Justin Williams card then. Absolutely. Okay. And at this stage of his career, he can pick anywhere he wants. Just come in. He's got more money than God. He can sign for a million dollars somewhere at the deadline. But. Sure. All right. So that's that's everybody. So I was gonna say I think it's time to wrap us up here. We've been going for a very long time. We don't cross the two hour threshold very often. But uh, all right, that'll do it for today's show. Uh, You can find us on all your social medias: Facebook, Instagram, etc., etc., etc. I assume Twitter still exists where you live, but you know, who knows? Uh, Follow us at YWT Podcast. Follow Kevin at Kevin underscore Durso. Kevin, you on Threads yet? I am. Okay, you you want to throw that out there too? Sure, is, I'm on threads. It it's the same thing. Kevin underscore Durso there too. It's the same thing. All right, Kevin underscore Durso everywhere you go. We're on <laughs> we're on sportstalkphilly.com. You can find us there too. We're everywhere we you find your podcasts. And uh, we'll be back in two weeks. We're in our summer schedule now. Every two weeks until the regular season. I think it's only four or five shows. So yeah, a couple, couple weeks and then we'll see you. And I'm going to see Fallout Boy tonight!